from whatever, starting with COVID, uh, accidents, and uh, many other illnesses. So welcome to this session. So this is our first meeting. And uh, over the period of uh, rest, there were a few observations that I thought I need to uh, make them here in my opening remarks. The first one was that uh, when I joined this committee as chairperson, when members were welcoming me, they said, uh, they have got a particular way of uh, operating. Uh, I listened carefully. Well, of course, then there were no concrete uh, areas where one could uh, actually see this in operation. So I've just been observing over this period uh, uh, comments in the uh, uh, portfolio committee WhatsApp group and generally the expectations of members, in particular from the chairperson. So I think that's the first challenge that uh, one needs to look at. We are looking at it and uh, would have to find a way to respond properly. Uh, so uh, that one has been noted. Uh, comments like uh, the absence of the chairperson by implication expectations that I should be responding to the issues that are getting raised today. But generally, today's meeting has uh, taken note of all those issues. Some of them are part of this uh, session. But like I'm saying, we're still developing an approach Generally, members of parliament, including the chairperson, by the way, our responsibility is to represent the people, make laws, uh, conduct oversight over the executive for actions and inactions that might have uh, taken place uh, involving the public. And uh, looking at the challenges that confront the portfolio that we are oversighting, we have appealed to um, the chairperson of committees and uh, the chief whip for extension of time for the committee. And I'm getting a positive feedback because besides writing to them, we also had to engage them. Everybody understands that local government would be at the center of uh, whether government <laughs> is, is able to achieve what they are committing to achieve or not. And by implication, we are saying to all members of this portfolio committee, one commitment that we must give should be to the people and uh, implementation of the laws that we have passed and involving communities. So there's positive response from parliament. A portfolio committee is an extension of parliament. So how parliament uh, operates is how we are supposed to operate. 
members are free to ask questions and questions should be responded to. And uh, that's what we should ensure as a portfolio committee. Uh, but like I'm saying, I'm not sure about the platform of the uh, uh, WhatsApp group, but generally if we're in parliament, all members are free to ask questions from relevant ministers. And I think even here that applies. I just thought I should make those opening remarks in welcoming you and uh, not making those uh, remarks a topic for discussion. Like I'm saying, there will come a time when we must uh, talk about that. But uh, the um, Portfolio Committee Secretary, uh, after I talked to her, did indicate that we are noting what is coming out of the WhatsApp group and would make sure that they form part of the processes of the committee. So let me welcome you. Uh, any apologies, um, uh, PC Secretary? Good morning, everybody. Um, yes, Chairperson, there has been an apology from firstly, Honorable Butelezi. She won't be able to attend the meeting this morning. There's also apologies from the minister and the DG. They attending a workshop in the NCOP. And also Deputy Minister Bapela. He will be traveling to Northwest, so he won't be able to join the meeting. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, uh, maybe let me, as part of the welcome, uh, welcome the uh, Deputy Minister. Uh, Honorable Katimang and uh, the officials from the department who are going to be part of this meeting. And uh, obviously led by the Deputy Minister. Welcome, Deputy Minister. And uh, I might not have uh, noted uh, the rest of the other people who might be part of the meeting even those who might be our guests. Uh, let me welcome everybody and the uh, officials from parliament and any other uh, person who is here. With those few words, can I now uh, move to members? Uh, the agenda as it is would be presentation by the uh, uh, department on the items that were that, that are listed, the items that are coming from members generally, uh, uh, I I think all of us we are away. So that would be the discussion. But we'll follow each one of them. Allow members to raise questions and we discuss. And after each one, then we, we, we will proceed uh, as, as noted today. Can I get a proposal for the adoption of the agenda from members? Chair, I do propose that uh, we adopt the agenda. Thank you. Any second, uh, Chair, 
I second yes. the proposal of the agenda. Proposal seconded, and by implication, we proceed if there's no uh, uh, contrary view. But like I've said, it might not be exhaustive of the issues that uh, honorable members have been raising, but this is a start uh, from that WhatsApp group. Uh, honorable Deputy Minister, with that, uh, I would like to uh, welcome you and immediately hand over to you. You will assign your officials as to how they are going to go about it. But let me hand over to you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, and let me start by greeting all members of the portfolio, the honorable members who are in attendance. It may be late, but it's February, and compliments are never meant to be bad or late. Uh, I will say a happy new year to all of us, and may God see us through 2022. Honorable Chair, I will also greet um, the members of uh, the department who are accompanying the the Office of the Deputy Minister, I will not call them one by one. It's quite a number, but we have representatives from DCOC and uh, the finance stream, which will be responsible in the main to tabulate the issues that have been requested by our honorable members to ensure that the department is fully responsive. I will, just as a way of opening before I hand over to the chair, indicates that one of the key areas that uh, members have raised and have requested us to prepare a presentation which will subsequently follow is on the establishment of council and its council committees. Honorable Chair, all councils have been established in nine provinces except for one in the Northern Cape. One councillor who's a ward councillor passed away in the Gai Kharib local municipality, which created a vacancy, which we are hoping IEC should be filling in the by-elections, which are planned countrywide to sit tomorrow, the 2nd of February, because the, the creation of that vacancy of that ward councillor left the municipality at a tie and we could only be able to continue with the formation of its council after the results have been declared. With regard to committees, Honorable Chair, not all committees have been established, particularly in the Eastern Cape, Free State, KwaZulu-Natal, Mpumalanga, and the Northern Cape. Colleagues, as they come, they will be detailing them in full. There's quite a number of reasons, Chair, but in the main, political instability has been one of the main reasons for the non-establishment of council committees. You get an example of Rengonien, uh, for example. They've not uh, established the council committees because they've not yet elected a mayor, but they formed council. So there's quite a number, and some of them you might have seen them in, 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 in television. Some are still 
in a pending uh, box, uh, legal issues are still being attended to, but non-elections have happened. The second issue which we'll, 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 we'll deliberate on, obviously, it has been warring members and there have been uh, requests for additional information constantly, gratuity payments for non-retaining councillors. Honourable members who are sitting at 65% of payment, we will unpack it fully as well since we have started on the 10th of December. There have been key challenges in the main, the late and outstanding submissions by municipalities, more especially in the Free State, Northwest, some parts of the Northern and the Western Cape provinces. Those four provinces are actually uh, leading us behind. Free State, for example, only started submitting some of their documents, not all this year. Since October, we've been making up uh, follow-ups, but we've come up with a special MinMEX, uh, SALGA and provincial HODs at COCTA provinces were mandated to give us uh, responsible people to sit on our committee. And we've been engaging and calling municipalities one by one and the persons consent to look for all the support documents which are supposed to be gathered. And I think honorable members may also have to note that it does not end with the uh, information that gets to be submitted, added into past. There is also a SARS, a SARS clearance, South African receiver uh, services, uh, where we have uh, to clear before the payment has been made. And quite a number of our councillors have not been SARS compliant. And that has been causing its own delay. But otherwise, you are able to get the clearance uh, 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 if everything is above board quick enough. Um, the issue of interventions, Mr. Mohale will, will talk to them. But also, we are looking into the observation which we have made, which indicates and, and show that in some instances, provinces terminate the intervention prematurely, and we've put up a system between COCTA, National Treasury, and SALGA, and we've also developed the circular, which was circulated to deal with transitional matters into the areas where such municipalities were involved and give directives generally to provinces on how to conduct assessment and also to ensure how far is the intervention and how best can it be dealt with. And the last part, Chair, will be dealing with the Community Works Program. We will highlight and show to the um, honorable members uh, the CWP uh, and also when will the final document with regard to remodeling be dealt with. I think let me end the honorable chair and request my team, uh, uh, Mr. Mohale Peter, and Chakamolot, who's the acting CFO, to lead in the issues. Because the agenda tabulates the establishment of councils first, I'll request Mr. Mohale to start. Thank you. No, thank you very much, uh, uh, Deputy Minister, and, um, and good morning. Uh, to you, uh, Deputy Minister. And then let me also take the opportunity to um, greet the chairperson of the Honorable uh, Post Portfolio Committee and also 
let me um, uh, wish wish him all the best for the 2022 um, um, uh, cycle of, of our administration. I also want to greet all the members of the, the portfolio committee. And I also wish to compliment for you all for, for this uh, new year. And uh, it is never late. And we're looking forward to have a very, um, a very robust and mutually benefiting engagement between us so that we can ensure that the services do arrive to our people out there. Let me also greet the all other members of um, who are in this meeting, obviously officials, senior officials from, from our department, as well as uh, other institutions that have been invited uh, that are in the, in the meeting. Uh, good morning. I will uh, uh, chair to start with uh, the this presentation, and then I will then hand over to Mr. Moloto, who will then deal with the issues of uh, 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 gratuities as outlined by the Deputy Minister, uh, that giving you a, a high-level overview of it, uh, per se. So, and then thereafter, uh, the CWP um, uh, uh, DDG will also then do the presentation to give you an update on of, on how far the program is uh, to date. Our presentation uh, will touch on the following three focus areas. That is the progress made on the establishment of municipal councils, as well as the respective committees. And then also we will give the, the committee an update on municipalities that are under 6139. Um, in terms that were under Section 139 before, and also where are they now after the elections? Because obviously the transitioning has got implications. And the lastly, we will also talk about the gratuity payments to non-detaining councillors. Yeah, with regard to the establishment of municipal councils, it's a straightforward um, uh, a report. We can safely say that almost all of them have been established. And as the DM has indicated, Glen uh, Harib has the one that has, got, has had challenges. Um, if you can go to the next slide, um, where we are actually showing in the Northern Cape that uh, there was a ward councillor that has passed on and there is a vacancy and that vacancy will be filled uh, probably uh, tomorrow after which then um, we hope that the, the, the tie will sort of uh, be uh, resolved and then the council can constitute as well as uh, also um, having its committees constituted accordingly. We can go to the next slide. Now, Chairperson, with regard to the committees that uh, um, the state of the, the committees that have been established, we will uh, deal with them uh, province by province. Uh, starting with the Eastern Cape, you know, um, some of them, some municipalities in the province has established their section 7980 ex but others have not. And then that is the list of the municipalities that have not established as yet. And uh, mostly these challenges, uh, Chairperson, are actually um, uh, driven by political um, manifestations 
and uh, the MEC in the province is seized with the, these uh, methods to ensure that uh, ultimately there is uh, um, these structures are established, these committees are operating so that they can be supported uh, accordingly uh, in terms of our capacity building programs. In the free state, the same applies to those three municipalities that you can see that have not been established. And uh, the the MEC is also assist with, with that uh, uh, challenge, those challenges to try and ensure that all those uh, committees are established. In Houting, yeah, all, all the committees have been established um, uh, and we are happy that uh, it has, uh, um, we know that it, there's a lot of uh, uh, many councillors, councillors that are hung councillors, and um, uh, but they, they have managed to really get uh, uh, the committees established as required. And then in KZN, as the, the DMS indicated, um, the, the issue of Ray in Konyeni, uh, local municipality is another one where uh, the mayor, the MEC has actually uh, intervened, I think lately, as late as last week. So we expect that the processes will unfold in that municipality and then probably uh, the, the committees required to be established will then be established um, uh, in that uh, 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 municipality. In Nimpopo, we have uh, all of the committees uh, established and also at the councils. Um, let's go to the next slide. Thank you very much. Uh, the one in Mpumalanga, um, it is Mkondo, as, as well as Victor Canyon. Those are the two municipalities where there are uh, uh, the challenges. Uh, um, with Mkondo, uh, we know it has been in the media, and I am aware that uh, the the provincial leadership uh, led by the MEC and HOD are seized with uh, dealing with this matter in Kondo. And uh, uh, we hope that uh, um, stability will be, will be restored in that particular municipality uh, and ensure that uh, uh, you know, services can be rendered effectively. Northwest, all the uh, committees have been established in the Northern Cape. Um, as uh, you can see, those are the uh, municipalities that have not been uh, uh, concluded uh, uh, per se, and then we are hoping that the, this will be done uh, as, as soon as possible. And the way required, we will as national support the provincial uh, um, uh, leadership to make sure that all these structures are established. In the Western Cape, all of them have been established. And uh, as you can see, they are also already embarking on the capacitation of councillors uh, in their respective uh, districts. Now, the next uh, slide will focus on the interventions. Um, can we go to the next one? Um, we we supposed to share with you as uh, the committee just the, uh, the update on, on the, what has transpired before and what is actually transpiring. Um, now, uh, as with regard to all the municipalities where there were interventions. So, the, the, yes, you can see the two municipalities were under sub, uh, administration um, in the various provinces and uh, with the, the maximum, the one having more, the most uh, municipalities under intervention was KZN, 
and the list was uh, uh, in a popular way, it was only one, which is Mohalakwe. And then in the Northwest province, all four discretionary um, interventions uh, were, uh, yeah, all were, were terminated. Uh, then, uh, oh, sorry. Hello, can I go on? You can, you can oh. proceed, yeah. I think there's uh, one. Uh, I don't know who, who is speaking. Uh, can we please uh, help us to manage that? You can continue. No, thank you very much. In the Northwest province, all the, the four discretionary interventions were, were terminated. But then after that, they, you know, the mandatory interventions on, the, on those four and an additional three were also effected, invoked. Therefore, in the Northwest, we have seven municipalities and uh, where we are now um, uh, having the, the, the financial recovery plans that has been uh, developed and uh, we will be tracking the implementation thereof uh, in those uh, seven municipalities. So other administrations, I think uh, there's a difference between administration and intervention. Other administration, in other words, municipalities where we, they were put under administration may be dissolved. So, yes, the, uh, the, um, uh, the law indicated that when there's such an intervention, it has to be, uh, um, uh, it must lapse after elections. But now the, the other provisions of the MFMA kicks in to with the, the interventions continue. Uh, and and well, I'm going to be unpacking in each and every province as to how far are we with each and every of those municipalities affected. Let's go to the next slide. Well, we can pass this slide. It's just showing the, the numbers that we have already alluded to at the, at the first in, uh, slide that we did on the interventions. Next one. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, okay. Yes, currently we are uh, ourselves and Cocta, as, as Cocta and the National Treasury and Salga. We, we developed a circular, you know, just before the elections to, to all the municipal managers in the country, you know, and... Uh, can, uh, I, uh, can I disturb you? I oh. see so your minister oh. uh, is, is indicating that she's uh, present. Uh, maybe it will also help you when you speak, you know that the minister is not welcome. No. Thank you, but I'm just going to the portfolio, to the NCOP now, sorry. No, no, I, I, well, I, I could see you here. In fact, okay. once, I, once we are, you are here, we are happy. We forgot about the apology. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Okay. No, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks, uh, Chairperson, and, and good morning, uh, Minister. Um, the, as I was indicating, uh, that uh, before the elections, we did uh, issue a secular um, signed by our DGs, CCFs, DGs for for DCOC, as well as uh, National Treasury, as well as the CEO of Salga, that was circulated to all the municipalities. 
uh, to guide them on all the processes that has to be observed and uh, complied with, um, it, depending on their, the nature of their circumstances as the municipality. So the, the circular was quite extensive, and uh, uh, we, we have also asked them to uh, have those circular to be adopted by councils and, and uh, for, so that the councils can also ensure that they are on the same par or wavelength with us as national government uh, pertaining to our expectations on what has to be done by all these municipalities affected uh, in their various uh, conditions of functionality uh, per se. So we, we, we experiences and challenges on interventions that we can share with uh, members of the committee, amongst others, include uh, these uh, uh, tendencies of, of premature termination of interventions without uh, proper assessment, um, and then a lack of sustainable exit exit uh, strategy. You know, uh, lack of post-intervention support and monitoring. Mind you, most of the most of these are uh, done uh, done at the provincial level. And in most cases, we are not even consulted as national government when those uh, uh, actions are taken. And just abrupt, you know, premature terminations of these interventions uh, by, these, uh, uh, by, by, by the provincial government. And, uh, you know, uh, some of them were terminated immediately on the eve of the elections um, without really uh, really appreciating even our guidelines that we have uh, put uh, uh, circulated. Next slide. Right. Um, within this slide, we uh, um, indicated that the, the what the municipal systems. Act states that municipalities comprising of three elements, municipal councils, administration, and community. Uh, sorry, uh, Chairperson. Um, uh, we're trying to explain here that the, the intent of the intervention is to address all the challenges that are ex um, uh, um, and shortfalls in those municipalities. And then and the rationale is all uh, uh, following in terms of all those bullets, in terms of uh, uh, why we are actually uh, continuing some of these interventions. Uh, we are putting this because um, there was a, a notion out there in the municipalities, especially at the political level, that after election, uh, we know that there's a provision that says the, 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 the administration lapse, especially those where there was an administration. But the, the MFMA and other processes like the court uh, orders that will have been issued uh, to, to, to impose these uh, uh, interventions um, will continue to, be, uh, to prevail in those particular municipalities. So uh, we, we have actually communicated the, the rationale and therefore the FRP becomes the, the 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 framework that has to be implemented to try and get that municipality to turn around its uh, its, its um, functionality so that it can be able to be uh, much more efficient and 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 we are also ensuring that we are handing all there is a proper handover between you know in terms of the previous and the uh, 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 and the current uh, um, council as well as uh, 
where there was a, an administration, let's say the officials deployed in such a municipality, there's a proper handover between themselves as well as uh, 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 to the councils, and then there's a debriefing that must continue. Uh, per se. And then we expect that councils will then adopt the, the what we call municipal support inter and intervention plans, as well as FRP for uh, um, for implementation by all these, these councils. Let's go to the next slide. This is more, we, I'm not going to go into it, just to share with the members uh, just what we mean and what are the implications of a discretionary intervention and also what is a mandatory uh, intervention, whereby uh, in the mandatory one, you know, uh, it is it follows only when the discretionary one does not yield any results. And then in this case, we as national also comes closer because most of the time these interventions are driven at the provincial level by the provincial uh, COCTA and uh, treasury departments. But even at that time, we are supporting, but uh, as soon as we feel that it's not happening, we then impose these mandatory interventions. And that's why we are able to can then uh, um, uh, step up the, the support in, in those municipalities that are affected. The next slide. This is the, the, the pie chart. Uh, we can pass it also, it's just depicting the various uh, the numbers that we talked about in terms of the various municipalities that have been under either and, and discretionary or um, uh, mandatory intervention. Uh, Chairperson, this has uh, the, the, I'm moving towards the end of my, my presentation. Um, it is, we're breaking down in each and every province as to where are we, you know, and also what, why was the conditions for termination and uh, also uh, what does it mean for that particular municipality. Uh, Amatole, um, which has been in the news of late, for instance, uh, it is still under um, um, uh, uh, that uh, mandatory intervention and then it is still active. We we are waiting. I'm not sure that I can go to each one of them of this pro, of all the slides, but uh, I, I believe that members uh, can can go through it. But the short of it, Chairperson, is that we have directed in the circulars that uh, uh, the, all the provincial department or governments must do an assessment of all these municipalities in terms of the progress pertaining to these interventions that were that have been implemented pre-elections. You know, and also, and then on the basis of those assessments, then they must then uh, generate a report that has to be sent to us as a, a DCOG and also as National Treasury, where we can then uh, begin to appreciate whether there has been any material progress pertaining to each one of 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 uh, of, of those uh, assessment reports uh, uh, per se. So there will be areas where, Chairperson, we will differ. You know, we will differ with maybe what Houting will indicate about Mfule. We all know, for instance, about the situation in Mfule, and then we are expecting them to do that assessment, and then they must give us uh, uh, the, the, the outcome of that report, and then uh, we will engage with the provincial government on this particular report. And then uh, where we have comfort, we will then, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, collaborate and we move, but where we have no comfort on the on the proposal, because in our assess, in the assessment, we have asked them to to also make a call about whether what they have been doing 
in terms of turning around that municipality has yielded any any, any result. And then we expect them to be honest and frank to themselves when they do that assessment and then give us a report because we also have a data here. We are also in their spaces in many instances. We will also then cross-reference what they will have uh, yielded in terms of the, the, the assessment. And then where we agree, we will agree. And then where we don't agree, we will indicate that we don't agree. And then we will, obviously, we are, we are working in collaboration. Our two deputy ministers uh, are actually leading us, you know, uh, in terms of this work. You know, uh, where after our engagement with them uh, at the technical level, we will then put a report to our political principals led by GM Ngadimeng as well as GM Masondo. And then we will give them our, our, our proposals, whether we confirm or we vary. And then there will, there will be bilateral engagement with each and, each and every province pertaining to these outcomes of the, the, the assessments of these reports. So we expect this, this process to be concluded during the course of this month of February, whereby then from the March, we should be all being on the same same page and also reinforcements where required. We'll also, the collaboration will be intensified between ourselves as well as the provincial government to, to really turn around these, uh, municip uh, these municipalities that are dysfunctional. Um, uh, the next slide, I think uh, it is probably concluding, which I can uh, 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 pause uh, here. And then if the chairperson would uh, allow me, then I can ask that we give uh, that Jemuloto the opportunity to then share with the committee about the the, the ones of gratuity to non-retaining councillors. But it is up to the chair to guide. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, thank you. No, the guidance I was given was that all presentations made and will uh, allow, unless members as well, if there's any member who want to intervene. But I think the information before me is that we make all presentations. Great. No, thank you very much. Let me then hand over to uh, Mr. Chaka Mloto, who will then uh, run this presentation for the committee. And then thereafter, uh, the, the, the DDG uh, for corporate services will then do the one on the CWP. And then we'll, uh, the deputy minister will then conclude. Then we'll be ready for to field all the questions. Thank you, Chairperson. Over to you, Dr. Mloto. Thank you, Mr. Mohali. And uh, good morning, Chairperson. Uh, good morning, members of the portfolio committee, uh, colleagues, and uh, all present uh, in this meeting. Uh, my name is Chaka Maloto. I'm the acting CFO uh, Chairperson. I'll be taking you through the report of once of graduate to non-retaining councillors. And uh, this report was uh, last uh, populated on the, the 30th of January uh, 2022, uh, late at uh, 20, uh, 18 minutes to 9, I mean 8, my And uh, the table that we see, it's reflecting four stages that we have. Uh, this is a summary page. Uh, we have got a detailed report for the municipality in terms of the documents that we have received. The total number of uh, uh, qualifying uh, councillors is 5,078. Uh, this is the ones that have been vetted by IC 
IEC, and they are the ones that are eligible for these ones of gratuity. And in terms of stage one, uh, the documents that we were expecting to be received by the department, uh, it's councillors' documents received, and also the worksheet that is supposed to be signed by the municipality. In terms of the documents received, uh, Chairperson, uh, it's all documents that relates to your payslip, uh, your ID, uh, I, uh, IRP5, bank statements, and uh, many other documents in terms of uh, your uh, residential and uh, email addresses. And the worksheet is the confirmation from uh, municipalities in terms of your salaries to confirm what is in, on your payslip. And it follows by the queries. This is the first stage where we receive the document. Then it will be followed by the second stage where we'll then be creating what we call a bus entity. This is putting your banking details into our system so that we are able to uh, pay your once of gratuity. And uh, we also go to SARS to create what we call tax directive. Uh, this will tell us how much we we're supposed to be paying for tax and we have got IT88 for those that uh, have not been paying SARS uh, in terms of penalties or previous uh, monies that they were owing to SARS. So this is the area where we get that information from SARS. And uh, the third stage, that is where the documents then are verified, are compiled for a badge to be paid. And at the moment, as the Deputy Minister have indicated, we're able to pay 65.8%, which is 66% of the 5,078. We're able to pay 3,341. And in terms of money, a chairperson, our budget allocation is 315 million. So far, the money that we have committed for the ones that we have paid and uh, the money that is due to SARS is to 142,441,825.65. If we can go to the next slide. The next slide, Chairperson uh, 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 and members of the Portfolio Committee, is just to demonstrate in a graph our performance production today, how we are doing, uh, despite the hurdles on the way. Uh, if you can see on number one, which is on the 24th, there was no production because we had network challenges, outages. And in other days, you can see the production were able uh, in those days to create bus entities for 375. Uh, on the 30th, the last day, uh, in terms of payment, we were able to pay 230. But on average, we are able to pay 140 per day, per day uh, per uh, and uh, next slide. The next slide here, we're just demonstrating uh, the documents that we have received, the performance per, profit, per, pro, per province and municipalities. Uh, the first column talks to the provinces and also the number of municipalities that are there in the province. And it will be followed by the number of municipalities that have complied in terms of submitting the documents and the worksheets. Document of municipal, I mean, of councillors and the worksheet signed off by the municipalities. So, Eastern Cape, they are at 98%. So, we have got three municipalities that have not submitted their documents. So, it's Amatole, 
and the Sunday River Valley, and then Rosa Hill. And uh, we, if we go to Free State, we have got 23 municipalities in Free State, only 21 submitted, which is 91%. Uh, we have got two that have not yet submitted, which is the Toto and uh, Maloti Apofun. In terms of Houten, KZN, and Limpopo, including Western Cape, all these municipalities have complied is 100%. Mpumalanga is at 95, and uh, Northwest is at 86, Northern Cape is at 76. And the average of days uh, of the submission, this is the days when we're looking, even including those that are at zero. So we have got 22 days, meaning uh, this is the longest that they have submitted their documents. They have got 20 days uh, that they have submitted documents in the department. Free state is 12 days. You can see it's, it's just a few days ago when we received those documents. Houting, they've got 45 days. Uh, KZN, 43, 41, followed by Lempopo. Pumalanga, 36, 15, Northwest. Also, 15, Northwest is just uh, this, this year. Northern Cape also is this year. Western Cape, they've got 30. So of these municipalities, which have got more than 30 days that they have submitted their documents, we have got uh, 40 municipalities in Eastern Cape, and uh, they're, fo they're followed by Free State. We don't have even a single municipality that have got 30 days in terms of submission. So it's only of late that we have received the documents. Houting 1047, uh, in KZN 20, Limpopo 15, Pumalanga 2, Northwest 9, in Northern Cape and Western Cape. And uh, in average, for those that exceed 30, uh, they've got uh, those that have got 45, and uh, infrastate you can see zero. 47. Most of them, they are at 48, I mean 40-somethings, and 39 in Western Cape. And uh, these are the municipalities that are still outstanding. In Northwest, uh, we have got three in Northwest, and uh, the highest is in Northern Cape, which is eight municipalities that have not yet submitted their documents. So this document, we might find our challenges that the target that we have put ourselves, but that by the 15th of next month, we should have paid all this, uh, this outstanding and the queries that uh, are there, uh, they might uh, hamper and be an hindrance to reach the target that we have set ourselves. And uh, if we can go to the next slide, thank you. Uh, this is just uh, our outcomes. Uh, I have spoken to them, 90% uh, of the document received 94 of the worksheets. And uh, in terms of uh, what we have, uh, created as banking details is 89%. SARS directive is 68%. And uh, what we have already paid is 66%. And uh, this is uh, out of the gross uh, graduity of 242,442,000. And uh, uh, out of the budget of 350. The challenge is uh, chairperson and uh, members of the portfolio committee. It's uh, none other than uh, uh, outages of network connectivity, uh, especially on CETA. And what we have experienced recently, which uh, started on Sunday and is still uh, a problem, it's SARS. SARS is experiencing challenges. We are able to capture, but we cannot upload it on the system to get a tax directive.
So there is a, 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 an outage on the system of SARS, but we are communicating with them and we have already informed the director general so that uh, he can escalate it with the commissioner. And uh, in terms of the queries, which uh, we are experiencing and uh, which might also delay in terms of paying the councillors, it's uh, you, our incorrect basic salaries at uh, the start and the end date, which uh, there is a discrepancy uh, based on what we have received and what is at IEC, incorrect or missing tax reference numbers. Those are the challenges, but we have got people on board. Uh, we have got provinces that have allocated people in the national office to assist us to fast-track some of these issues to phone uh, municipalities, uh, provinces to get this information. And uh, in terms of uh, the key support actions that we have identified is that uh, we have got an improvement based on what we used to have in the previous years. In the current year, chairperson uh, uh, and members of the portfolio committee, we are able to issue a payout certificate. It's like your uh, salary advice where we are showing how we have done the calculations, uh, what went to where, how much was your graduate amount, what went to SARS, and how much are you getting. And I just want to indicate to the members of the portfolio committees that there are those councillors that will get a zero uh, graduate because of the debt that they have with SARS. So before we can pay out, we are then tasked by uh, SARS. It's, a, it's like a garnish. Uh, we have to pay SARS first and uh, before we can give it to the councillors. And uh, those that have not been doing their returns in the previous years, uh, we have to pay uh, that money that is due to SARS. And uh, we have got weekly communication progress report through to provinces and municipalities. Salga and uh, provincial HODs are on board in terms of uh, the information that uh, we might uh, need to these municipalities. Uh, we have also escalated those municipalities that have not submitted. And tomorrow we are having also a meeting with our provincial HODs uh, to give them progress and also the information on the municipalities that uh, are still outstanding. And uh, if I can just go to the last slide. My apologies, I just lost the screen. Okay, uh, these are the recommendations we just recommended to the portfolio committee to know the progress made on uh, the establishment of municipal councils that was just uh, presented and uh, the status and the interventions and uh, management pre and post elections that Mpomohale um, just uh, uh, alluded to, progress made and the challenges encountered towards uh, payment of one's of gratuities to former councillors. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <coughs> uh, it will uh, be followed by uh, Mr. Pretorius for CWT. Thank you, Chairman. Before Mr. Pretorius, I see the hand of uh, Honorable Shengiwem Kalip. 
Chairperson, good morning. I just wanted to check, are we receiving all presentation because according to the agenda that was adopted here, it says that you are going to engage with the first presentation from the department and then we'll come to community work program. The community works program, you are suggesting it should be separate. Yes, Chair, because there's a lot of concern regard to this one. Okay. Uh, I, I assume if there's any honorable member who has got any objection to that, uh, will indicate so. But uh, I think let's, uh, uh, Honorable Deputy Minister and your team, let's separate this one now of uh, this CWP and uh, allow members now to interact with the, the uh, first three or whatever presentation. That we presented. Um, I seem to see Honorable Chaban Chaba and uh, Brink. And uh, my assumption now is that uh, you are all coming in to discuss the what has been presented, unless somebody uh, clearly would want to say, let's not uh, let's allow this first one. But let me assume, uh, Honorable Kalip, you are the first one. Honorable Chaba, you are number two. Honorable Brind, you are number three. Honorable Tayaza, number four. And Honorable Tiraco, number five. Can we follow that order? Okay, sorry. Um, have you missed my hand? Yes, you are number six. Okay, Honorable thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, we welcome the presentation from the department and also the comment from the Deputy Minister with her opening remarks and the uh, compliment uh, of the season to you, uh, Deputy Minister and colleagues here. Uh, Chair, first of all, I just want to comment on the presentation uh, by the department. Um, so on the first page, which is page four, according to the presentation, the, the heading it says that municipal council established. You know, the presentation, I think, you know, this presentation is not only for this purpose of the committee members, also the generation to come, if they want to go to archives and check what was the status of the local municipality, after 2021 elections, they must be able to get a clear picture. The department have said, it's for instance, if I can make an example, Eastern Cape, a local stroke metro establishment. Correctly so. They are giving a clear picture. All 31 locals and two metros are established in bracket 100%. And everyone has got a, a clear picture that, okay, in the Eastern Cape, we have 31 locals and two metros. Under district establishment, correctly so, they are saying all the six district municipalities have established their council within 14 days, blah, 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 blah. And comments, out of 39 councils, 100% are established. The very same slides, number two, coming to free state, they are saying all locals. They are not stating how many locals as they did with Eastern Cape shouting and so on and so on. I think they must be consistent with their presentation because we need to have a clear picture from the beginning. That is a comment, Chairperson.
But I'm worried, Chair, when we are told here, for instance, uh, this presentation was updated on the last minute uh, in this morning uh, to include, to include, I think, Umtuba Tuba in, in, in PZN. But my worry, uh, especially when we are telling us that you don't have a comment uh, in Guazul Natal, all comments established, but I know there's an updated version of it. But when you come to, uh, I'm just perusing my screen. When you are coming to Northern Cape, so you are saying to Northern Cape, 12 local municipalities out of 26, which is 46%, they have not concluded the process as at 2801, 2022. And then you mention those municipalities. And then you come to, to, to comment section and said, you don't have a comment. You must have a comment. You must tell us why I think half of it has not established the council committees. But you can't be saying as a department, you don't have a comment. When I was listening to Mpo Mokhale, was even saying that when he was talking about uh, the intervention uh, that a provincial government was taking decision, was even saying that them at a national level, they were not even consulted when the provincial government they're taking decision of dealing with this kind of intervention. But you come here, you present something that is very important of which I think the department needs to preside over it. The department must ensure that those councils are functioning, but the department is telling the, the, us that uh, in Northern Cape, uh, half of the municipalities has not been established, but there's no comment. We are not telling us what is the problem. And the other example we are citing here is the department. For instance, the municipality called Rengonyeni. You are telling us that there was a, a political instability, but you are not telling us the truth, that this is not a hung municipality. There is an internal problem. We are even saying that the MEC failed to address a those challenges until the last minute where he got it correctly. And the department does not come with strategies and mechanisms to say that if political instability and internal infighting of the ruling party uh, is going to disturb as we know, which that is the fact of the matter. We are not telling us that as a department, how do you counter that? Because at the end of the day, we want the accountability from the department. That is my problem. The other comment that I want chair to comment is about this thing of councillors' gratuity. As much as we welcome this report, I must say, Chairperson, this is very late. It's very late. You remember, Chair, that even on our WhatsApp group, we have been saying we need to get an updated uh, 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 progress report in terms of this gratuity because councillors they have Black Christmas Deputy Minister. Unfortunately, we didn't get that report as requested by the members of the committee. Some of us, we enjoyed Christmas because we got paid as members of parliament and so on and so on. But councillors who lost their jobs and who are entitled to get this money, they didn't even know. I'm talking about those ones who have submitted their documents in time, Chair. I know the department is saying here, some of them even until now, they have struggled to submit the required documents. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who have complied with all necessary documentation, but the, but the department was nowhere to be found. 
there was even a very false information that we received as members of parliament when we put pressure in the committee during December time to say, can we get an update report? And someone who was uh, sending a false information to the secretary of the committee, updating, saying that, no, we are there, we are there, we are paying councillors. While we also have an access to talk to MECs of particular provinces, And then they were saying to us, no, the department is nowhere to be found. So the department was not even prepared to go to an extra mile just to to be sensitive about the plight of other people who had Black Christmas. And other councillors were saying that I don't have anything and my child is affected. I can't uh, buy a school uniform for my children. But the department was lagging behind on this one. And you begin to ask yourself that you have this a commitment as the department, which is good on paper, but in terms of the implementing implementing it, it's a problem. So we really want a department to do things differently this time. And the department must also do things in a way that it's also provides leadership and it also shows that they're on top of everything. We can't allow a situation whereby we are going to be told that we are also undermined by the provincial government. Kanti, why are you a department after all? If you are going to be undermined by the department, where did you get it? Uh, Where where is the problem? So the last comment, Chair, we are told here that all committees have been established and it looks like you are doing a presentation to people who are not from South Africa. Some of us who are here in South Africa, we know, we also Uh, learn from the media that not everything is going accordingly what is presented here. For instance, why are we not told that, yes, in terms of the establishment of committees in Northwest, we are ticking the box. But this it's in a mess as we speak now. Why the department is not telling us that? No, we have already have a crisis in this Is whether falls under that intervention of uh, section 139 or mandatory or discretional, but the fact of the matter that municipality has started where they left off before November 1. So until we speak the truth, we are not going to have solutions to these problems. As I alluded uh, from the fact that some of the things need political intervention. We can't just uh, talk as if all the time where there's a problem is because of hung municipality is not, is not. Are you done, uh, Honorable Kalib? It seems, it seems that is struggling about the network. Network. Then she can come later. Um, can we move to Honorable I don't know how I will control I think let's wait, maybe struggling to come back. I don't know. Who can who can we have been saying it here? It's not going to help everyone or anyone here, Chapis. Honorable we lost you at some point. She's lost again. Uh, 
I I suspect uh, Honorable uh, Bancha, but can we allow you? I think we, we must find a way to manage that those who are controlling the system will allow um, Honorable Kalipulator to conclude. Honorable Nchaba. Oh, uh, sorry, you told me after other honorable members because I was making the last point and I got cut. Sorry, Chair. Are you are you able to do that now or you will come later? Well, let me just finish because this was my last okay. point. Okay. I was saying, Chairperson, on the opening remarks of the Deputy Minister, who is also a political head and in the absence of the Minister, there was a disturbing videos of a councillor at Amatole. And we are also told through the media that even the house of that councillor uh, were attacked, I think, a few days uh, later after that incident whereby the female councillor was dragged down. So we need to get to the bottom of this thing. I know some of us will are going to argue to say that, no, but that, that matter belongs to police. But once it affects one of us, especially if councillor, that councillor, I can't just remember his name, it just slipped my mind. Is happening under our watch as the department, as the portfolio committee, as the municipality. So we need to get an explanation as just a status report to what is happening. Are we involved? Are we doing something? We also saw the minister in, in on Twitter through her Twitter page also say condemning what is was happening in Matole. But it can't be business as usual. What, what have we become as South Africans? What have we become under municipalities? When one of the councillors will experience such things, it can't be chair. We need to talk about these things. We need to come with solutions. We need to resolve in such matters. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable uh, Nchaba. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, uh, colleagues. I Maybe I can say all protocol observes. Chairperson, <clears throat> hey, we have a problem in our municipalities in South Africa. I don't know what are we going to do to make sure that everything is in order in these municipalities. Chairman, I can hear and welcome the presentation from the department, but some of this uh, presentation is not actually consistent and be specific because many things that happen here in our municipalities in South Africa, but they are not here in the report. How are, are, are they so are, are, are prepared? to solve those problems of the municipalities. One of them, I was thought maybe I will hear, maybe I didn't hear it, maybe it's there in the document, but I don't have a document in front of me. Uh, but yeah, I will maybe hear from other comrades, maybe they come up. But the problem that I have here in this, a municipality problem that I want to know to the department. What, what strategies will be will, will the department be pursue, pursuing to minimize the risk of 
politically instability. In hang councillors, how many are the hang councillors are there based based on the the the, the, the nine uh, mentioned in in connection with the section 190 uh, 139 in, in investigation i'm saying this chairperson because <clears throat> sometimes we see things on tv and uh, we we thought uh, because even things that you are saw it on tv they are in newspapers all over the country uh, we thought maybe the the officials of the department, also them, they will see it and rush into that problem and make sure that they are intervening uh, physically so that when they come and present to us, they will present with the things that they know with their eyes. The first one is the one that uh, the St. John, the word, there was a, the coffin, AI traveling about when they are escaping, crossing river. I forgot man that municipal, the name of that municipal, but he is in in Chacha, um, in in in, in our Chambo municipality. Yes, but he, the name of the area, I forgot it. Another one, recently is the one that was Emak Asibe. La abandube wela kona futi na kungo ono kebo na bangenange manzin. La babane e or tambo. I forgot man the name of that municipality or of that area. Um, I was studying maybe a department of the... Mpindu in the river. MP Dwayne. I was thought I'll get a full report of MP Dwayne because it's, a, it's far last year. I don't know whether it was January, no more was February, but it was far last year. That report actually is supposed to come to us whatever they've done there. The weather, they've been solving the bridge to help the people of MP or they, are, they, they, they were putting some mechanism in place to make sure that the people of Mpindweni, they have something to jump the river without uh, going down to the river. But when I saw that uh, Kofinu was jumping to Tebeku uh, on top of the Tebe Tebe, I was thinking that maybe the Mpindweni, oh, what is happening? Oh, when I hear, no, is a Emma Kasibeni, is another mess on top of the mess. What are we going to do? And what the department going to do to make sure that everything, people are, is tunzizabo, their dignity, they are being respected with our government what are we going, what the department going to do to make sure that they are securing the dignity of our people at the ground 
When I was saying that that bridge was built by uh, 61 million, although after, after there was a, something saying, no, the 61 million was not coming from the, 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 the government, it was come from uh, the pastors. And now I was getting lost uh, even today. I was saying maybe we will, because we want to intervene to the things that we saw physically. We don't want to hear theoretically, uh, right tennis, mati, uh, in black and white. But the things that we saw physical is not in that in those papers in black and white. Now, as we speak, it, I, I can agree with Honorable Mkalipi uh, when she said, we want to hear municipality by municipality's problem so that we, we will follow clearly because we know we are grounded people. As we speak in Tukerafeg, I'm seeing municipality. People are fighting there because there is no water. Since I came to this committee, I talk about the water in Tukerafeg and I'm seeing a municipality and the Umzniat district. As we speak, people are fighting and closing the road and enjoying it is a mess. Who gonna uh, uh, help those people except the department? Because in the issue of the political instability, I don't know, I cannot say in which political party, but because here we are not talking about any political party, we are talking about the service delivery and the government and the people on the ground who need help of us. As we are here, we, we were sent by people to, to be their voice because they are voiceless. Now, what must we do with all those things that are not reflecting in this report, but is the thing that are affecting people physically, we saw them in our eyes. We are not reading in the paper. We just saw it. What are we gonna uh, uh, talk? Maybe this department will hear when we say to them, when we raise issue here, please guys go and rectify those problems. The people of Tukarafer in Umsinga municipality, they are still don't have water. Same thing. And uh, the worst part, there was a fruitless expenditure of pipes who were put underground with no function. They are not functioning, but they're underground. If the, the department can come to me and say, no, can you go and show us those people? I will go and show them. But they're not doing that. They're just comfortable to, 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 to stay in the offices. Tina, Tina, comrade, when I, I, honorable members and department, Tina, we are people of the ground. We are not people of the office, people on the ground. We are going physically and we see this thing. Please, department, help us. Tell us. And 
say, be specific about the municipality's problem so that you will follow and make sure that, okay, you, you go there, you see this problem, did you, if you, you, you rectify it, we will, we will also see. But if you did not, we will come back and ask you because you saw that problem, but you didn't rectify. When are you going to rectify it? Because we are public representative. Please, bond houses. They must make sure that they get their money fast so that they will pay their houses. Or maybe they'll get that money and finish their house bond because they are not working anymore. So if they are they will make them to be in the areas unnecessary. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you. Yabonga. Honorable Brink. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, my question is going to be about the intervention. Uh, the first question is, there is Section 139, Sub 5 intervention in Mangaung that was declared there two years ago. But it would seem that no financial recovery plan is being implemented in that municipality. Uh, and in fact, the, the situation there is deteriorating. So can we please get an indication of what exactly is going on there? Then as for the municipalities that have been uh, constituted uh, a chairperson, I just want to raise some concern. There's a municipality called Ray Nkonyen in KZN, where to the best of my knowledge, at least last week, uh, they still had not, despite the election on the 1st of November, they still had not elected uh, an executive committee and therefore a mayor. Uh, and this is a delay of months, which affects service delivery and all sorts of things. Um, and I would just want to know, um, what does the national department do in, the, in those instances where um, executive committees are, are not constituted? Now, I can go into the reasons. Apparently, the, the, the ANC and that municipality uh, couldn't agree on a mayor. Uh, so for political reasons, the exco wasn't constituted but that affects other parties and that affects the community as a whole. I've got a number of other uh, questions on intervention, um, but I don't want to, to use too much time. The, the chief one is that last year, Treasury uh, issued a report on the state of local government in which they made the point that uh, under section 139, one uh, sub B, they made the point according to national Treasury if you invoke that uh, administration, you can't appoint an administrator. They say you can only appoint an administrator once you dissolve the municipality. 
Now, the way that we operate nationally, provincially, the, the conventional understanding is that, um, you know, if there's intervention, for instance, in Mfuleni, Section 139, 1B intervention, then administrators get appointed that have certain functions. Uh, Treasury says, no, you can't appoint administrators. Uh, and so one wonders, when are these differences in interpretation going to be resolved? What does administration actually mean? What are the terms of reference? Um, when, when are we going to get legislation in terms of, of Section 139, uh, sub 7 or sub 8? Um, because, you know, whatever the presentations can be, can be uh, made to say, the reality is, and colleagues will agree with me from all parties, administration in the 90% of the cases fail. Not only fail, they make things worse. Uh, so I'd appreciate uh, clarity on that. Thanks very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Yes, thank you very much, Chairperson. And uh, good morning to colleagues and good morning to your capable selves and the department and the minister and deputy minister and uh, the researchers and the team and everybody. Um, compliments of the new season. I do agree with uh, uh, Honorable Mkalipi that we should uh, be able to, to, to get into the problems that, that engulf the municipalities in detail uh, as it uh, manifests in this, uh, in this presentation, uh, far less than expected. Uh, my questions relate to the, this uh, interventions, uh, Chairperson, uh, that uh, what is the remedial action that are in place to resolve the current challenges relating to municipalities that continue to recycle poor performing municipal officials? Because, Chairperson, I went to Emakazeni local municipality. The situation is quite deplorable. It's worse. It's getting worse every day. The projects are not finished. The reported projects are not finished. The worst of, of, of it all in that report of the Auditor General, uh, it complains about the local economic development, which has received zero performance in the 2020-2021 financial year. This would permeate to non-delivery non of, of services as outlined in their previous priorities entailed in the IDPs and, and eventually collapse the, the quality of, of, of services that then need to, 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 to be delivered to the people. And uh, what action is it that, 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 is, that, that is clear to, to deal with, with, with non-performance? Because that means that uh, there is an infighting that the committee that has to deal with the minds that should uh, deal with uh, local in, uh, economic development within that area uh, does not sit due to individual interest, Chairperson, within the municipality. And there's no investigative uh, uh, capacity that was shown by the department uh, to, to propel that particular uh, item forward so that we can, we can see the local economic activities that we often talk about in the in the in the committees yeah because you cannot build a municipality without without uh, building a, a, a solid revenue 
through local economic development because people are not going to be able to pay for services. That's number one. Number two is the fact that uh, what, uh, what, 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 what then happens is that uh, the municipal councillor's pension fund as established in, in, in the 1st of May 19, 1988 in terms of the pension benefits for councillors of local, of local authorities Act number 105 of 1987. The remuneration of Public Office Bearers Act of 1998 requires the relevant municipality, municipal councils to, to make pension, pension contributions for the duration of the councillor terms. Term. As such, municipalities are expected to ex establish a pension fund for municipal councillors and and the ministers to set out annual limits for contribution by municipal councils to such funds. Despite these provisions, Chepesi, many municipalities do not make pension payments to councillors because the guiding legislation of councillors' authorities act uh, of 1987, 105, is outdated and inoperative inoperable due to its racist undertakings distinguishing between races with no new leg legislation proposed by government. What is the new legislation that will see to it that the, the councillors, the councils, the municipal councils do uh, extract uh, 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 and, 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 and this is made uh, 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 as a this is made uh, compulsory by, 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 by legislation to, to draw uh, uh, municipal uh, uh, pensions. Then number three is the fact that seven, section 79 of uh, and, and section 80 committees, there's a problem there, Chepesi, are not sitting. Once a year, they go into meetings unprepared. We do not know what uh, assurances can Salka or the department provide to committee about the readiness of councillors to deal with matters of legislation through their through assessments? Can they give us assurance that indeed uh, incoming councillors are ready to deal with statute uh, 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 books there? And then the question of MPEG as an oversight uh, 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 a committee should then be made uh, to, to then uh, uh, given to not to the ruling party in a particular specific municipality because uh, we believe that it, you can't hold yourself to account. It's not possible, Chair. You you surely are either uh, influenced by 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 by, for instance, the chair because uh, he's your political senior and and you are influenced perhaps by your mayor and intimidated. Uh, Timeously, because those people are your political leaders and they can't um, be held accountable uh, outside, um, even outside the, 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 the municipality. Then in terms of the gratuity fund, uh, there, there's no payout, Chair, for in, uh, in, in, in Northern Cape. There's no payout, just, just allow me to, to get to, to, to the details. The, I think I've got... I've got councillors there in Mangaung, and then I've got councillors, two, three councillors in Mangaung, and then in Metzima Hulu, and then Sitsoso, and then uh, 
fez ile tabi ditabe and mu hukari and then maluta pofung and so on litseming maluta pofung and so on you can you can name them they they the, 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 the information is right there of the councillors that have not been paid. And we can go on and go on to other municipalities. But the question remains, uh, what have you learned from the 2016 experience as the department? Because this, this is not the first time this is happening. What, what has the department learned? What are the learnings that they have drawn, uh, that they have derived from the 16, 2016 experience? The, the other pending issue, Chairperson, is the issue of, of, of the Western Cape uh, in terms of the establishment of the what uh, the, the what committees that serves uh, as uh, as a bone of, of of contention in what councillors and stakeholders that what councillors treat this as as a process as part of a gangster arrangement as they are not willing to work with all stakeholders in their wards, especially in, in the city of Cape Town. Both the ANC and the DA are culprits in, the, uh, in these allegations, as well as the redemarcation of sub-council. What is the remedial action in this regard? Uh, in instances where uh, uh, Section 139s are used for, to settle political scores, what agent departmental interventions are put in place to resolve political challenges, even where mayors as political leaders in the local sphere of government in, are incapable of resolving such challenges, and administrators doing worse than the municipal officials. What action has the department taken to identify unqualifying administrators uh, to lead municipalities? Uh, what, what actions have they taken to compile a list of those who were unsuccessful in, 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 in interventions to guide against being hired uh, in, the, in, the, in, the in, in the future? Uh, or where, where in, uh, I, th I, I remember uh, Honorable Khatebi says doing the same thing all over and over again, uh, expecting different uh, results. Uh, what is the action there? The last one, Chair, will be what is the legal basis for the termination of the mandatory, for the abrupt, might I say, the uh, termination of mandatory uh, discretion, I mean, the discretionary intervention in municipalities that were subjected to inter intervention pre and post uh, local government election. That uh, I hear that and I read that uh, section 148 of the MFMA uh, which, uh, amongst other sections, provides that in section 148, uh, subsection 2, a mandatory intervention referred to in, in section 139 must end a, the crisis in the municipalities, financial affairs. Once in, 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 the, in, in the municipalities' financial affairs, once the, the municipality financial affairs sorry about that, have been resolved. What is the core problem of the municipalities? Because uh, I, I get a sense that uh, we are often talking about uh, the, the, the inability of municipalities to manage their monies. What is the core problem of that? Uh, are the supply chain managements in line? Are the tenders that are issued out 
uh, issued out uh, in terms of uh, of legislation uh, are they uh, is it not a deliberate uh, uh, incompetency that is that is uh, happening at the municipal level uh, what is the department going to going to do to arrest the core problems of financial management in the municipality how many of the terminations have had their financial crisis being resolved before terminations? If yes, how many of the, 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 the administrators have submitted the close-up reports? I think I'll end there, Chair, and then there are problems in, uh, in George uh, Packerstorp. You see the High Court ruling there in 2004 says that uh, people should not be removed from their camps. The, the issue of bylaws, Chair, how are we going to, 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 to oversee the, over, the oversight capacity of municipalities, to oversee bylaws, because the bylaws are abusive and they are racist. In, 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 in George, there where people were, were, were told to, to, to vacate the, 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 the historical uh, campings, what, what, how are we going to, to, to curtail that situation? Because obviously the municipalities is using the bylaws to then uh, uh, rain upon people on the basis of, of, of their race and on the basis of, uh, of, of, of whoever owns the space around the, 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 the municipality. It is an emotive issue of, of land ownership and those who, who own land, uh, because there are many of those who own uh, properties around the sea. Uh, in those areas without uh, title deeds even. And I'm not qualified to talk about title deeds myself, but uh, Chairperson, I will end it there for now. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable uh, Direko, I would uh, suggest that you allow Honorable Mpumza, I say his apology, yeah, that he's catching a flight before you. Honorable Mpumza, are you still there? <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, uh, and uh, uh, good morning uh, to you, Chairperson, the Deputy Minister, and all honourable members. Am I audible, Chair? Yes, yes, you are. Thank you very much, Chair. Chair, uh, in welcoming this presentation by the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, particularly the issue related to the establishment of uh, municipalities. Uh, uh, since uh, the 1st of November, 2021. Chair, the, the constitution of this country is instructive that uh, the municipalities must exercise their powers and they perform their functions. Uh, through municipal councils and committees. Now, in the presentation, we're finding that, that there are municipalities. Since the 1st of November up to today, they have not yet established uh, uh, committees of council. And that should be highly worrying to the Department of Cooperative Governance. Because the indication is that uh, in those municipalities, there is no work that is being done. 
And therefore, this requires a speedy intervention by the Department of Corporate Governance. In view of that, Chair, I had wanted to raise a question as to say, what are the legislated timelines, if any, for municipalities once after election that they must establish these committees? Then if there are legislated timelines, surely then therefore uh, there is a transgression of law by those particular municipalities. And this would warrant the department to come in handy uh, so that we allow that. The explanation that the department is giving us is that uh, one reason why these committees are not taking place. There is this term which, which needs to be explained further, that there is this political instability uh, or fighting. Exactly what is this political instability? The term has ended. We were handling these issues throughout this country in a number of provinces. And we find that the determinant of this problem in municipalities is this term called political instability. Why is it that the Department of Cooperative Governance not in a position to intervene in these municipalities and kick out, yes, I know that I may be and be elected by the electorate, and intervene and make sure that those countries who are actually leading the municipalities into another different direction are dealt with decisively. Because this matter of saying, uh, couching this thing on political instability and then the municipalities are not functioning, and then therefore at the end of the day, you get the electorate so disappointed with the government and being angry against the government again, because they had voted it for. So this is a matter that we must urgently uh, address uh, to ensure that municipalities are functioning optimally. The second question, Chair, would be, has the department established a legislative framework to ensure that, because in the past, in the last term, coalitions that seem to be uh, very unstable and turbulent, have they now established a legal framework that would ensure that those coalitions are actually uh, stable throughout, there are no problems, so that municipalities do function. Chair, I want to pick two municipalities uh, that perhaps again, if we'd be looking at Mfuling, uh, the challenges of Mfuling were very, very serious when we were there. And critical of those challenges might find that it was this thing we called a uh, political instability. As long as we continue to allow a wound to fester, it would become a permanent structure that would blanket the administration of municipalities. Instead of nipping this particular problem out of the municipality early as is possible. If we are looking at Mfulen, the nature of the problems of the Mfulen didn't warrant an intervention of section 139P. Perhaps it's high time that uh, at some particular time, we have to think of saying that because the constitution makes provision 
for section 139 and section 139c it would be appropriate sometimes that uh, we send a message government sends a message to public representatives who forget about their mandate and their duty to serve by just putting a municipality under section 139 so that councillors go home if they don't know what is to function here share the last before i leave i would propose that uh, perhaps with the question of uh, rank on yemi we were told that it was only on the 28th i read that uh, in the media it's only on the 28th that uh, the mayor was uh, was uh, elected can the department assist us by giving us a detailed report of what has been happening there. Uh, the next time we sit, we get that report about the status situation in Konyan. What has caused this problem that after elections, up to now, a mayor has not been elected? Thanks, Chair. Thank you, um, Honorable Direko. Uh, thank you, Chair. Greetings to you, Chair, the Honorable Members, Deputy Minister, and our guests. Uh, Chair, my colleagues have already covered me on several issues. However, uh, on the report that uh, the department has uh, presented, they also indicated the issue of municipalities which have not yet established their committees. And I would like to check on the side of the national copter. What is it that they have done to assist those municipalities? The reason why I'm asking is because uh, I'm from Lijoliputwa district. And there's a municipality there by the name of Tukuloho, which is also uh, uh, one of those that have not yet established their municipality. This municipality was a speaker mayor municipality and now has moved to a collective municipality. So I just want to check with the department. Did they provide those municipalities with proper training as to what is expected from them when they move from one category to the second category? How do they establish those committees? Have they been taken along as in terms of the process that needs to be followed. And then also, uh, also Honorable Mpumza also raised a, 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 a question, a, a very a question, serious question as to, is there any time frame on the establishment of the municipal committees? And should the municipality not stick to that time frame if it's there? What are the consequences of that? And then the other one, Chair, on this uh, municipality that has not yet established the committees, there's one in Getwana, it's here in Free State. And the department is saying the reason behind that is a, is a political challenges. Can they please go uh, give us uh, details as to what are those political uh, challenges? Because I'm from Free State and I'm in the political space. I can tell which municipalities have political challenges and which municipalities have uh, uh, struggling with internal capacity of the municipality. So I don't think this one of Nketwana falls under the municipalities that are having political challenges in Free State. It's a very small municipality, and even the dynamics of the politics there are not are not worrisome. Hence, I, I have a concern on the report. And then the Ndadamahale, uh, as he was uh, presenting, he also indicated that most of the intervention are done at a provincial level, and we all know that. Uh, this intervention are not working. Instead, they're just a malicious compliance and they're not even giving, giving us a positive outcomes. So what then becomes the role of national cocktail in this intervention? 
And uh, we know that we have three spheres of government, as Kokta is always reminding us that we have three spheres of government, which has their own legislative uh, in terms of how they deal with the issues. So in this case where we had uh, interventions that are not working and are done by province, then where does the national Kokta future in these interventions uh, that are done in the municipalities? Uh, and uh, the, 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 the other issue, uh, Chair, uh, the department raised the issue of SAS, which is also delaying the podcast in terms of payment because some of the councillors are not tax compliance and uh, 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 they end up uh, delaying the process when they're dealing with the issue of uh, SAS. So is there any future plan for the department in order to avoid any matters that may delay this process of payment? of the uh, outgoing councillors. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair. Thank you. Uh, maybe from my side, because I I don't see another hand. No, from uh, Chairperson, you sit there. Oh, you, you. oh your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Honorable please. please. <laughs> yes, um, thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning, colleagues, and all protocol observed. Um, mine is just two-folded, uh, Chairperson. The first one, which I think was quite, uh, was extensively discussed, is just that although there's a report of the um, municipalities and everyone being, um, you know, constituted, we're already having some municipalities that is already have a bumpy start and the red flags are going up. And my suggestion would be that we get full reports on those that is already uh, had uh, showing red flags. Uh, in particular, there are councils where councillors have already been expelled. There are vacancies declared. Um, others are having motions of no confidence and removed. And if this is the start of this term, Chair, I can tell you it's going to be as disruptive as the past term. And I think what we would like to see as a committee is that we lessen the disruption that we have seen um, in our oversight and in those who appeared in front of us during the last term. Then um, on the issue of gratuity, uh, Chairperson, I, I just want to find out what the purpose is of requesting councillors to indicate in a very advanced um, stage that they are not coming back to council. And even already in October when candidate lists came out, councillors completed their forms because they knew they're not coming back. And then it took three months to four months for councillors to be paid. I think it's unacceptable. I think it's unsympathetic towards people who are trying to organise their lives, knowing that that is something that they have worked into their plans going forward. I, I do believe that um, there is, it looks like there is no uh, almost co collaboration between the different um, you know, uh, departments, and that includes obviously SARS. Because if there's a problem with SARS that they're experiencing now, surely they should have been um, sort of prepared. They should have known what to expect. Um, and in the instance of it happening, they should have had mechanisms to deal with whatever um, was, you know, um, whatever they were confronted with. And so to me, that, that is a concern. And to me, Jay, although we have this report, there are people who are sitting who are still not paid. And then people get paid or not paid, they receive a payment, a pay slip, which basically says nothing. It's a proof of payment, 
The money is not in the accounts in days. It's no indication of the uh, tax implication. It's a document that is not usable, which means when they do their uh, tax returns, that document doesn't mean anything. So one asks ourselves, is it just an indication to keep, keep people quiet and uh, not let them um, inquire? Because it is a, it's a document that cannot be used and, and it's unacceptable. And can we treat people province by province? Can we not let people wait or others wait individuals because others didn't fill in their forms? That punishment is just totally unfair and it's misplaced. So thank you, Chairperson. And that is all from my side. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I'm sorry for not noting your hand. Uh, just to add, um, uh, Honorable Deputy Minister and uh, the team, uh, partly uh, Honorable Mbomza covered me. We'll have to find a way uh, that begins to say this is what we are going to do to shift our approach on some of these things that normally were happening. Now they are beginning to rear their ugly heads again uh, this time, where we see this thing called political instability. And people do as they please. And those who are affected are citizens of this country. We have got rights in terms of the constitution. So all of us, then we, we cannot just uh, pretend as if uh, people are free to do as they please. So would expect COCTA, uh, in line with their oversight mandate over local government, to please do their part if it is politics, they do have political authority. So we, we, we can't pretend as if uh, at, at national level, COCTA, we only have administrators. The laws of the country uh, prescribe that they are executive authorities at this level. They know better what to do when we have got this animal called political instability, because it looks like that is what is going to happen all the time. So when I listen to the officials, they are saying we'll engage them, agree with them. When I say them, I mean the province and the local sphere of government. They say they will engage with them when they disagree. I didn't hear it well, what are you going to do? But I'm saying you have got political principles. So that animal, we must deal with it, whether it is in relation to establishment of municipalities, committees, and generally instability, where communities get affected by not getting services. I think we will need to, to, to lift this responsibility. Uh, of uh, politics, let me put it them as politics. Let's lift this, because even politicians have got no right to destabilize the lives of the people of South Africa, because they have disagreements. So let's find a way to deal with that. 
And that message actually is for the executive authority and officials to support them by providing them the relevant uh, technical support to make sure that we deal with this animal uh, called uh, political instability. Otherwise, if we continue to talk about it and not do anything, there are 257 municipalities across the country. So it means this country will bear. Maybe my last point would be to say, uh, there's one member here, I, I said I'm not the one who should provide uh, answers, but at least let me give information uh, about the Amatole situation uh, where a councillor was dragged and it was all over the media and everybody was commenting about it. So we had to write to the minister uh, uh, you see, because we must also allow that space that the executive is allowed the space to exercise their authority. That is why I'm making that demand. Uh, so that we don't create stampede into a matter. So we wrote to the minister, uh, copied the, uh, uh, the MEC. And uh, so we the minister did indicate to me that there's a process underway to uh, give us feedback as to what is happening. And uh, we, we, we did not specify time frames, but we also indicated at the earliest possible time, we must get a report. So she has indicated, she has been interacting with the municipality some report has been given to her and there was a team sent there. They are processing that report. I know the deputy minister uh, could still speak on that, but because I received uh, some letter, I thought I should mention it. And uh, the minister might not be here, but can still uh, speak to, to it, uh, deputy minister. Uh, with those few, Many comments by members. Can I now allow you, Deputy Minister, and your team to respond? Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. I will request uh, my team members to start and deal with the issues, and I will conclude the wrapping up on all the questions that have been raised. With your permission, Chair. Um, they can start possibly in the order on how the presentations were made. That is Mr. Mahan and the graduate um, on both formations and section and interventions, which is section 139, uh, followed uh, by the acting CFO on the issue of graduates. And I will uh, uh, wrap up. Of course, there are other colleagues, Mema uh, Bidilala and Gadego from Legal Services and other areas. They may, through the chair, possibly raise their hands. So it will be easy for uh, the response session to be manageable as well. I will conclude um, after they've taken their parts, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, this is uh, important. Again, um, Mr. Mkhali, Oya Hamas, my camera. 
No, thanks. Um, we want to firstly note all the questions raised by members and uh, also appreciate the, the seriousness and um, the concerns that have been raised, you know, and the tone of these questions uh, depict the, the eagerness to have these uh, challenges uh, addressed uh, decisively and effectively. Um, many of the inputs were, were, were regarded as comments, but where there were specific questions, we will, we will try to uh, um, <coughs> then uh, respond. When Member Kalipi indicated the issue of information on the presentations that was supported also by uh, Member Teresa, we 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 note we will uh, ensure that when we uh, in the next uh, round of, of 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 engagement, whatever you will have given to us, we uh, we should be consistent across the board, especially on on data you know uh, that we share with you as a department. We will definitely uh, uh, ensure that we are also uh, fine tuning our collaborations with the provinces to ensure that we are all really are on the same page in terms of how we share this information. Yes, um, the, the, the others were, were comments in terms of the challenges they've raised or that we are experiencing in this municipalities. Others are where there are coalitions and others it is internal uh, 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 party uh, uh, challenges uh, uh, in those municipalities. And um, um, the, the, the MECs in the provinces uh, are seized with, with trying to deal with those uh, uh, challenges. And some of them, uh, um, some of the uh, councillors or some of the incumbencies or parties, then the matters go to court uh, uh, per se. But because many of there have been a lot of uh, municipalities cited, and um, if uh, uh, the committee wants to, uh, uh, you know, to begin to uh, get a detailed report on those, let it be because we we simply responded on the the questions raised to us, to the minister by the committee. That's that's how the presentation was was sort of framed in terms of uh, responding. So if there are any additional information that you would have wanted us to share with you. We, sh we will definitely do so. And uh, if the chair uh, can then um, uh, have those, those uh, specific ones uh, sent to us, we will definitely then ensure that we get all the information assembled and then shared at the next uh, engagement. Yes, um, like as uh, Councilman Kalipa was talking about, it's about, uh, I mean, currently we, I mean, this morning, every day, every day we receive you know, like where you can set dashboard temperature of what's happening in the country. I mean, today, I, you know, we already we know about digital water, we know about the uh, Mangaun uh, uh, per se, and uh, we are seized with that that that, 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 um, that municipality in Mangaun uh, uh, with national treasury uh, uh, per se. So, but when and when the, the committee wants information specifically for these municipalities then uh, uh, through the chairperson, then we can also uh, uh, share with them the, 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 these uh, reports for these, uh, these municipalities. Right, um, we, uh, in, the same applies to in the Raymond, uh, uh, Nkonyani, uh, the Raymond Konyani municipality. If they, you so wish that we give you details of what transpired there, let's, we will do that um, and then show why there was a delay in, with the mayor being elected 
and then only now that it has been uh, done. The same applies to Kulo, as uh, my member Diraco has indicated, we will definitely respond to why uh, uh, was there maybe the limited support to the council to transit from a plenary to an exco uh, platform of uh, system uh, uh, per se. And then, um, uh, Councillor Trevor, I mean, uh, Member Trevor talks about uh, a, a place in George, Parker's Dorp. You know, we have seen this in the, in the, in the papers uh, and the like. So many of them, we, we track them in terms of uh, inquiry. We normally ask the provinces to give us the information. But then, uh, upon us getting the feedback from the provinces, when we are not we are not happy with the feedback and the comfort, we then also escalate it where we we ourselves go in uh, and begin to investigate uh, the 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 those uh, incidents that will have transpired. Then, um, Councillor Direko also raised the issue of timelines as to when, and I think also a uh, member. Uh, Pumza has also raised the issue of what are the timelines of uh, this establishment of these municipalities, the councils, and also the, the committees. Where uh, uh, Chairperson, it is not legislated, you know, uh, and we are learning. It is not legislated, and uh, uh, as a result, you, one will not have an instrument. You know, just like if you have seen in the IEC, it is clear cut that within a particular time, all the councils are supposed to be uh, 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 constituted and the like. But then with, with us, it has not been legislated. And then with something that we can look at and make sure that we are able to, to uh, ramp it up. And then, uh, uh, but in the meantime, we are uh, always trying to uh, support the provinces in, in, in getting these municipalities where there are these outstanding committees that have been to be established to be, to be established uh, per se. Now, um, yes, the, the chairperson talked about, and I think also member Kalipi about Amatola. The, 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 um, the minister did send a ministerial team there, and it is it has been in the space for the entire weekend, and um, a report will be um, uh, uh, completed and shared with the committee uh, through the minister upon her um, having it signed it off uh, per se. And then, um, Pertaining to the chairperson asked a specific uh, pertinent question to say uh, he, he hears that we, we are collaborating with the province and then we, we, we're engaging and where we don't agree. Uh, uh, um, uh, it is clear that uh, where we do not agree, chairperson, we, we will have to prevail as national government in terms of, uh, because we will have, uh, in most cases, where that has to happen, it will be informed by material facts that you will have uh, uh, shared uh, uh, per se. And then um, uh, uh, we, it is not our wish that we have to find ourselves, uh, uh, you, are, you know, chapter three says we must try to collaborate and cooperate among ourselves. But as you have put it uh, plain, uh, plain, plain to us to say, where we don't agree, what do we do? We'll have to prevail as national government because we will have, um, all the, the, the factors and, and reasons uh, um, and evidence to, to demonstrate that it's, we should approach in any any municipality in terms of whether it is intervention or support or what in a particular direction will have to prevail and then we, shall, we can be able to corroborate uh, why we will prevail. Uh, uh, but it's not a wish that we find ourselves 
uh, having that uh, you know arbitrary uh, you know arbitrary action to be taken. But if it comes to a push, we'll have to do that as national government. I think I will pause here, and uh, um, maybe my colleagues can maybe respond to those that I have not responded to. And uh, yes, the political instability that Mr. Um, member Mpuza is talking about, we're saying it's political instability, we must unpack it. Yes, yeah, we will We will begin to unpack it. We're not going to put it, as we, when we put it, political instability, we'll also say what is the nature of that instability, whether it is in a coalition or whether it is intra-party or what, we'll depict it and we'll also indicate what measures have been taken to, to, um, to deal with those challenges that are prevalent in these municipalities. Uh, thank you very much, Shepherds. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mokhale. Uh, Chairperson, if you can allow me to come in. And uh, let me take this uh, opportunity to thank the honorable members for the questions raised. And uh, questions that were raised by the honorable Mukhalipi, uh, more in relation to our very late uh, updating of the information on the system and paying of the councillors and uh, the updating of the reports and the false report uh, to the secretary of the committee and also communicating this progress to uh, portfolio committee members. Uh, Chairperson, uh, let me take the opportunity first to apologize in terms of the false report that has been submitted previously to the secretary of the committee uh, but uh, as we are progressing on daily basis in the evening after we have completed uh, the day's work or the production of the day, uh, members of the committee, we communicate this information and uh, we will share it with the committee, uh, portfolio committee on daily basis as we communicate this. And uh, at the beginning of this uh, establishment, of the payment of uh, once of graduity, we, we struggled with the documents, uh, especially the combination of the two com uh, documents or three documents that uh, we use in terms of the recognition. The IEC document in terms of the councillors that have not yet or didn't return to council, and uh, also the information that we got from municipalities. Uh, in terms of the worksheets and the document of uh, municipalities. Uh, this information, uh, it was not 100% when it was received initially, but there were those municipalities that did comply. And those that did comply, uh, we, we tried our best to, to, to pay them. And also the support of municipality, I mean, uh, provinces, in terms of giving us a, a, a helping hand in terms of uh, capacity of home bodies. Uh, those home bodies unfortunately came in January. Uh, we didn't get uh, uh, many hands in December. So the hands that we were using only, it was uh, the departmental uh, colleagues uh, that uh, did work uh, even over uh, the holidays, uh, uh, during, after Christmas and uh, between Christmas and New Year. Uh, and uh, because uh, our bus system, in terms of the holidays, it doesn't work. So unfortunately, in those times, 
we, we didn't get the production in those areas. And uh, on the issue of Mr. Chava, I mean, uh, Honorable Chava and Spears, uh, in the question of what have we learned in terms of uh, the previous payments that we have done, and also why have we taken so long? Uh, uh, we should have collated this information even prior to the elections or after the immediately after the elections. Uh, unfortunately, there are documents that we have to use in terms of uh, compliance to ensure that the information that we capture and the people and officials and councillors that we pay, uh, we are paid the correct uh, councillors that have not returned. Uh, we have also currently experienced those councillors that have been indicated that they will not be returning, but they have returned to council. And uh, this is some of the councillors that have been removed on the, the list. Uh, IEC has previously indicated that they will not be returning, but uh, as changes do happen, uh, they will return, they did return to council. So uh, this information is critical for us to use it in terms of verification for these councillors to make sure that what we are capturing and uh, uh, councillors that we are paying, they do uh, deserve these monies. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, in terms of paying, we started on the 10th and uh, also the 10th is when the documents started coming in. So we didn't get a full volume of documents that we can agently process. Uh, we, we, we do understand that uh, uh, some of our councillors did have uh, Black Christmas and uh, we do uh, apologize as a department in that regard. Uh, but uh, it also is the information that was available in terms of capturing. Uh, most of the information started flowing in in January and uh, that is where we then get support from provinces. We did get support in terms of capacity. That is why we are where we are in terms of 66%. And uh, there are still municipalities that we still require assistance uh, in terms of the information that is required so that uh, we can push to be at uh, uh, 100%. But at the moment, even the document that we have, we are not yet at 100% in relation to the document that we have received. But the documents that we are receiving, they are receiving attention. And uh, we are agently pro uh, processing those uh, documents. Uh, I'll end here, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, if I could come in, uh, Chair, yeah. Honorable Chair. Please. My name is Mbulelo Sikaba. I'm the acting DDG for institutional development. Just to address some of the issues raised by uh, honorable members, uh, on the consistency of the report, I think we have noted that, and uh, I think that that will be definitely corrected. Uh, I think the, the the timeline that we had to meet in terms of the of submission also to the to the to the secretariat also made us to sort of uh, uh, overlook uh, uh, the, the these uh, sort of uh, inconsistencies. But it was really not something deliberate. We really sort of uh, apologize for that. On the issue of uh, pension uh, payments, gratuity payments. Maybe looking on a long-term basis, honourable chair and honourable members, we 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 do feel that uh, this is not something that should be only be done every five years towards the end of the council 
but we are looking at the long-term solution uh, of dealing with this as we all know that uh, most uh, the councillors are really the underpaid uh, political office bearers in the value chain of uh, public office bearers so we are meeting uh, with salga together with the commission on the remuneration uh, of public office bearers to look at the long-term solution in addressing this this uh, gratuity payments uh, honorable chair and then on uh, i think uh, talking to honorable Kaiser about uh, i think he, he see he, he raised a lot of concern about the performance management system i think he made uh, an example of emma Kazim. Uh, as the honorable uh, uh, member would, would would recall that we do have the municipal structures bill that uh, also even went through the the the, the, the ncop and uh, i think it should be with the with with the with with the national assembly now and uh, this is the bill uh, actually it also addresses some of these governance challenges being in experience in municipalities as also we also trying to to improve the administration and management of uh, elections there's also the municipal systems uh, uh, act which also addresses the professionalism in the that is to formalize the competency requirements of senior managers to be appointed uh, in municipalities so there is uh, work that we are doing uh, there uh, i think uh, on honorable spice uh, she was referring to a full report on red flag municipalities in particular uh, th there is a report that was presented by our minister to cabinets sometime in June, July last year that had a detail of all the sort of uh, challenges that we that we are experiencing with municipalities where we even identified dysfunctional municipalities uh, and uh, municipalities that are in financial distress and a consultated report was, uh, was prepared. So I think we will We'll be able to share that report with the with the honorable members and also the actions because there are actions that have been proposed for us to take in in terms of intervening to to change to turn things things around i thought i would be able most probably just to 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 address those issues and also to address what uh, honorable i think it was uh, Honorable Caesar, also on the lessons learned in the 2016 payments of uh, gratuity, we 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 we're using that uh, also to to address this long-term solution in, in dealing with with the with the pension payments. Uh, I know there may be other issues that I may have missed uh, in terms of uh, responding, but uh, we, I think colleagues can can, can also help me there. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, uh, Mr. Kevin Naidu, I see your hand. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, and good morning to yourself, all members of the committee, <clears throat> our Deputy Minister and colleagues. Chair, I thought I'd respond to three specific matters that were raised by members. <clears throat> And the first being the 
the matter raised by Honorable Mpunza around the, the legislative framework for coalitions. And I thought I'd just make an input to say that we are aware of the, of the work that Salda has done in this regard. And that I think uh, soon after the elections that there was a presentation that was made to the committee. And one of the things that was recommended in that input was that we should consider uh, regulating the matter through provisions or through the Structures Act, uh, and perhaps through regulations that uh, the minister could issue. So there we, we did have a, 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 a discussion with SALGA in a joint executive committee between ourselves, department and SALGA, where we had discussed the matter. And one of the things that we had, had brought to the fore was section 13 of the Structures Act of the original Act, where when the Act had come into force in 1998, section 13 provided for guidelines for the types of municipalities, essentially meaning that the minister could issue guidelines to indicate you know, types that could be preferred by provinces. That section 13 was actually found unconstitutional and it has since been deleted. So while you know, there was thinking that regulations could be provided to deal with the types of municipalities and perhaps leaning towards the uh, collective executive type of municipality, uh, that may not be possible because of the constitutional implications in that regard. So to close the matter at this point, Chair, we've agreed with Salda that we will form a technical team to look at how we could address the matter through, you know, regulatory means around coalitions. <laughs> the second point I thought I'd make is around the, the Section 79 and the Section 80 committees, the matter raised by Honorable Cesar and other members. <clears throat> around them not sitting, not convening, and impacting on municipal operations. So to respond to this, you know, we have as uh, SALGA, the department, together with National Treasury, participating in the council induction program that is presently unfolding. And we're hoping through that process you know, we would see how best we could uh, get councillors onboarded in terms of their responsibilities, uh, in terms of how the Section 79 and 80 committees, as well, as well as mayoral committees and executive committees, should undertake their work. Which links to the third point I wanted to make, and this is around the Municipal Public Accounts Committees. <clears throat> So members would know that on the 1st of uh, November, the Structures Amendment Act number three of 2021 came into operation. And as part of the amendments in that act, 
we have introduced Section 79A, which now makes it mandatory for all municipalities to have the impact. So how are we assisting municipalities uh, in relation to the specific uh, committee that is now provided for in law? The one thing that we've done, a couple of things that we've done is firstly, we together with Treasury and SALGA undertake specific capacity building training and uh, induction with municipalities outside of the council induction program that is presently underway. We have, as part of a video development series, some of the members may have had sight of the video that we've done, short video that we've done on the Code of Conduct for Councillors. We have, in addition to that, developed three other short similar videos on impact. We've issued that we've developed a, a, a further video on council committees, a further video on the rules of order uh, of council, and, another, and a last video on board committees. So these seven videos we're hoping will assist us in, in capacitating councillors to get to know what their work is all about and how they could use it to familiarize themselves with the work that is required, as well as to create awareness. But in addition to that, there's an impact poster that we've created, an impact brochure that we've developed, as well as a toolkit, and all of this done together with SALGA and National Treasury. So very soon, this toolkit that I'm making reference to uh, would be available on our website uh, for councillors and any other stakeholder that would want, uh, you know, sight of. Uh, the last point, uh, and, and this is the fourth one, sorry, <clears throat> is around the changing of the type of mayoral executive to collective executive. And our, an honorable director, you know, uh, wanted to check in as to whether <clears throat> there was some form of induction that we had undertaken uh, in relation to these two types of municipalities. And to respond to that, I would, I would want to say that, so firstly, on the 15th of October, we, together with National Treasury and SALGA, issued a joint circular, a very, very comprehensive circular. And this is unprecedented where the three parties had put together a, a detailed circular of this nature prior to the election. And this dealt with pre-election uh, matters. It dealt with matters that would uh, be undertaken and guided during the transition, and then with matters post the elections. So that's the first thing that we had done. The second thing that we had done was that we issued also a very comprehensive circular on the 19th of October, unpacking the implementation uh, of the Structures Amendment Act number three of 2021. The third thing that we had done was that when the election results were released or published in the Gazette by the IEC on the 9th of November, the day after, after analyzing the results, of all of the municipalities, of all of those municipalities that had the uh, 
collective executive type. We convened the provinces, took them through what the permutations were in relation to how those executive committees would be determined, uh, the different uh, party allocations, and where those municipalities were uh, reached, who had a similar surplus, how that process of determination by lot would have unfolded. So that was the kind of induction and you know capacity building or capability that we had transferred to our stakeholders in relation to the two types of municipalities. Honorable Chair, I think uh, those were some of the things that uh, I felt needed a response. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. I don't seem to see any hand, uh, Honorable Deputy Minister. I hand um, over. Yeah. Um, no, is no, there no, a problem? Can you, Jay? Uh, not yet. I think let's oh. allow the minister to finish and follow up. Thank you very much. May you allow me to switch off my camera? I'm struggling with my power connection. So no, I could enhance my connectivity. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I think let me appreciate all the questions and the responses that have been tabulated uh, by the team from the department. Honorable Chair, also indicate to honorable members that we, we possibly might have stayed and, and stuck to the guide which was given on what to prepare for the presentation. But we appreciate all the issues that have been raised by honorable members and I will uh, emphasize the key issues that they've raised, which was in a way a request to the committee that we bring the additional information on some of the issues which particularly were pertaining to service delivery, were pertaining to uh, uh, red flags, full reports on municipalities, were pertaining to the further breakdown of the report that we gave. Uh, Honorable Chair, much as I understand Honorable Members, uh, it became a bit, it, it will need us to expand on the information to totally give a picture on what is happening. For example, municipality A may only cancer it has, it has said four times. You know, our understanding of the brief was that, yes, if there were key major challenges, we would have mentioned that. But for the fact that we were talking about the establishment of committees and councils, have we done that in municipality A? have we done that in municipality B? That's what the comparison at most was about at this moment. And we appreciate the questions and the details that honorable members are seeking uh, uh, for that information. We will make sure that we will go through and, and, and do the submission uh, 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 consistent with what they, 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 they are raising. And I must also appreciate the honorable uh, uh, Mkalipi, um, the typo, it's unacceptable. Uh, it's work which we must ensure that we produce quality sent over to our committee uh, so that even when the world watches over it, it does, re it does show that these were people presenting to honorable members and it's unacceptable to accept that. And I think we will make sure that uh, we, we have learned. Honorable uh, 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 Chair, the issue of Amatole, I think the brief was given, uh, but we'll also uh, 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 focus on it. But Honorable Kalipi, as the circumstance, the situation stands now, 
There was a council at Amatole yesterday, which also concluded on ensuring that they get uh, an investigation in the coming 30 days. There is a brief report which has been sent to the minister and uh, a brief report which has also been sent to the chair. Chair also did indicate that he, indica- he communicated with the minister uh, when the portfolio was also raising, uh, you know, uh, 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 that issue which is unfortunate and needs to be dealt with thoroughly. So we could commit, Chair, that at the conclusion of that matter uh, and the report being finalized, we'll also highlight to the Chair and the members of the committee at large on how did the matter of uh, Councillor Rulashe uh, got to be concluded. Um, uh, uh, I would not touch much, Chair, on the issues which were raised on uh, water bridges and roads. Not that they are not important, but I'm saying we'll then get as the Honourable Speaker had requested that can we get a full flag report which talks to formations, challenges in terms of coalitions and challenges in terms of service delivery. But the Honourable Power was struggling also with the name of the municipality where they were carrying a coffin over a man-made wooden bridge. It's at Umzumvubu, a local municipality. And a team was dispatched uh, by uh, President Ramaphosa upon seeing that in consultation with the department and the the the, the Vulinjela and the infrastructure team in the office of the president have been mandated with the army to assist on three areas actually somewhere in the Eastern Cape. We'll get more additional details to ensure that it gives comfort at least on the examples that have been given, but also we'll deal with them in a detailed manner as. All members have also uh, 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 dealt with the, the issues. I will conclude, Chair, without really uh, restating the obvious, but uh, I think Kevin did touch at length on the issue of uh, payment to, to, I mean, the gratuity payment to land retaining councillors. Honorable members, it started as early as the 10th of October. And the department has been paying from the 10th of December daily, including weekends. Uh, safe to say that there were three days where the CETA system was off and we couldn't manage a lot of payments on those days. Other than that, from the 10th to today, we've been dealing. So we don't keep uh, documents of those who are already ready, concluded, and they're ready for payment. On our speech, I'll go and check the form of a salary advice as an example, which we issue as a message which notifies councillors that their paperwork is done. And maybe we may have to improve on that to ensure that possibly it indicates the date of payment and any other thing that could be of assistance. But even prior that honorable case, there were 2016 learnings. The reason why amongst others is the department that pays is because in the previous two instances, some councillors received their money three years down the line. It links to what you are raising, Honourable Kaiser, with regard to uh, pension payments, uh, municipalities which are broke and don't pay the contribution, but some are broke to an extent that when the department transfers the money of the non-retaining councillors, they utilize it for other things. And, and that was lesson number one. But lesson number two was the designing, which was done Far in advance, the designing of the documents, what needs to be done, 
But if we had received information 11, 15 October, we should have started paying earlier than that because the funds have always been available awaiting for that moment. But nonetheless, we started, I will not recall exactly, Chairperson, the date of MinMEC, and I think you called me a day or so after that. And I told you we had an agent, MinMEC, where we're mandating provinces now to establish people and give them to us, and we'll call on a day-to-day basis. That was the early of December to try to speed up uh, uh, the payments uh, to what it is now. And we, are, we appreciate that the delay is... Uh, better avoidable and shouldn't have happened. But the, the system, the way it is now, we could be able to update uh, Honorable Chair as the Deputy CF, I mean, the acting CFO has said, on a day-to-day, how much have we been able to pay? For ease of reference, we are able to compile that report every Friday, and we could be able to send it to Honorable Members to deal with the 35% that is remaining as we are sitting at about 65 66% as we are talking. Chair, thank you very much. I have noted the issue from Honorable Brink with regard to the state of local government. I'm pairing it with what Honorable Spies has said, the issue of Raymond Ngonyeni in terms of breaking down exactly what are the parameters of assessment and quantification of interventions or struggling municipalities and that they need to come on the state of local municipalities in a broader sense to be able to enlighten difficulties and challenges and issues that we are dealing with as a department to the portfolio committee. Honorable members, thank you very much uh, for this part of the presentation and the opportunity given to us. Thank you. Back to you, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, honorable members, I know you, uh, Honorable Space did indicate uh, wants to make a follow-up, I can also see Honorable Teza. But uh, before that, I also wanted to indicate that we have got this uh, uh, last item that must still be dealt with. And uh, so if you can take that into account as you comment. Uh, Honorable Spies. Chairperson, I'll be very short. It's just a correction. I think it's Mr. Ismbelelo. I was not referring to a report of dysfunctional municipalities in the last term. I know I have that report in position. I'm referring to that in the past two months that new councils have been constituted, there's already red flags. I'm saying we can give the information to the administration so that they can get a status report on exactly these municipalities that are already, um, you know, starting on a rocky road. The reason being, Chair, is that if we are proactive and we act very early, we can, as I said, have less disruption within this term um, of new councils. That is it. So that was just misunderstood. And then the issue uh, um, to the Deputy Minister Nkari Meng, thank you very much for your responses, ma'am. Just the one thing is that I do, the reason why I mention what I mentioned is it's close to home for me. My husband is an ex-counselor. He has filled everything in. He was not coming back and he knew that. And he has done SARS everything and he has not received his payment. And so have others. And then people next to a town, next to him receives their payment and he doesn't. So that was just, 
a bit close to home and that's why I can relate to what is exactly happening because I experience it. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Teresa. No, thank you very much, uh, um, uh, uh, Chairperson. Uh, mine was just very, very short uh, on the on on deputy minister. Just on the on the municipalities that are not uh, paying pension uh, to councillors. Uh, what is the legal basis that should uh, make it compulsory for municipalities to then um, enforce? the payment of, of, of these pensions, uh, because I do not think that it is safe for councillors not to have or opt not to have. I think it's disingenuous. It's not wise that you would then after you've worked so for so many years and not have a pension fund. And the second one, um, Chairperson, is, is that it's just the noting of of the responses by uh, Dr. Naidu on, on, on the compulsory uh, methods in terms of section 79 on the impact on the MPEC. And uh, I, I should think that the committee should receive which ones have been established and which ones are, are, are chaired by who, uh, because uh, I don't think that uh, any ruling party, whether it's, it's, it's ruling party A or B or C, can 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 hold itself to account. I I totally disagree on that one. And then the last one, chair, was just the the one that was not uh, covered uh, at all. It was not responded at all. I asked the question: What action has the department taken in ensuring that retirements and pensions are compulsory? Again, noting the fact that uh, the pension system as well as the total amount of 266.3 million to non-returning cancer. Does this constitute an unavoidable, uh, unforeseeable expenditure in this regard? Uh, if yes, how so? Thanks, Chair, for the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks, Honorable uh, Khalib. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chair, I just I didn't get a clear response regards to the um, reports regards to committee establishments, and also when I was raising of which uh, Honourable Aba also uh, added to the fact that this report needs to be updated because it's not a true reflection of what is happening in all municipalities, and I make a specific reference to disorder. And I didn't get a specific uh, response in regards to Disobota because Disobota is not meeting and it is no municipality now. And what is the department doing about Disobota? And the second matter is in Moses Kotano, of which I didn't touch on it, firstly. So my point, Chair, is to say that let us get an updated report on the status of the municipality after elections, after 2021 local elections, because what has been given to us is not a true reflection of what is happening. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Mohale, and then you'll decide who else is going to sum up some of the, the follow-up questions. No, thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. And um, the the one on 
the Zogotla, uh, where I have, uh, I'm aware that there is, uh, there has been uh, a, a engagement over the weekend, uh, led by the MEC and supported by our, some of our officials uh, uh, to, to, to deal with the issues uh, uh, in, in that municipality. I will not necessarily have the specifics now, but we can share them and uh, uh, we can we share them with, with, the, with, the, with the committee uh, uh, as and when they want, want it um, uh, per se. But uh, that is the only one, uh, that's how, what, that is how far I can respond on it. We are aware, uh, Member Kalipi, um, about it, and, uh, and, and we are uh, uh, seized with that, and an intervention will, will take place. In what form, it will it still have to be uh, dealt with, and I know that uh, the MEC will communicate with our minister, and then uh, soon we should be able to can uh, ensure that uh, there is uh, stability is restored in that in that municipality. And then also just to indicate that uh, what we said uh, with that we will uh, 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 update the, the the report in terms of the specifics. As you said, there must be consistency uh, across the, the the information pertaining to all these municipalities. Which committees have been established? Out of how many uh, per se? We will. Uh, um, uh, update that uh, uh, information, and uh, we, we can circulate it. Uh, uh, we can send it through um, uh, uh, as soon as we are done with it to make sure that uh, you have the comfort pertaining to this uh, uh, the information. I'm not sure if I have answered the, all this question that has just been raised. Uh, Others will be comments that I'm noting. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. I think let's note them and. Uh... Oh, I see Peggy Hadeb is, is going to speak for the first time. Let me allow you. Thank you, Chairperson, um, colleagues, comrades and compatriots, compliments of the new season. Now, I'm interested in what comrade, I mean, Honorable Khalip has raised in relation to water. <laughs> and in this regard, please excuse my ignorance, um, Honorable Khalip. Are you saying that that municipality has not constituted council at all? I just seek that clarity from Honorable Khalif. Uh, Thank you. I, I am not sure if I would allow that. Uh, He's not the chair. No, I will not allow it because uh, I think somebody was just responding to it. Uh, uh, the the acting DDG, uh, but the, the details beyond that, then I think you can interact with the, the Honorable Khalib. Uh, we want to move to the next item, and uh, so that's why I'm reluctant to allow the conversation now between uh, amongst us. But uh, the. Uh, uh, the acting DDG was saying there will be a feedback from the, what is happening in that municipality. Can we move, uh, uh, Mr. Sikawa? I'm not going to allow you. I think if there's anything urgent that you would want to say, you will make it as a comment as we get into the next uh, item. And. Uh, can we now call upon uh, Mr. 
Pretorius uh, to present to us this thing of community works program. Over to you, uh, Mr. Pretorius, DDG. Um, thank you, Chairperson, uh, <clears throat> and good afternoon to yourself and to the um, uh, members of Parliament and to the Deputy Minister and colleagues. Um, our presentation on the CWP will cover the two topics that we were required to present on. The first one was on CWP remodeling, and the second one was on payments to participants. Um, on CWP remodeling, I think we have in the past presented um, what we intended to do in this regard, and I think we are happy to, to then present uh, significant progress that we've made in this regard. So as we indicated that the, the CWP is currently guided by CWP norms and standards, and this was approved already in 2010, and then the norms and standards are intended to reflect the key design features of the CWP. And these norms and standards are typically approved at executive level. There was also an implementation manual that was approved in 2011. And what we found uh, was that both the norms and standards as well as the implementation manual became outdated. And it also limited alternative and innovative approaches to implementing the CWP. So I think we've had a number of engagements with the portfolio committee in the past, and it was very clear that there are some significant areas or areas where significant improvement in the CWP is required. And that is then what we tried to address in, in, in how we remodeled the CWP. So the remodeling process was then designed to be a journey, not a specific event. And our intent is then to experiment with new and innovative ways to maximize the impact and our limited resources on poverty, inequality, and unemployment. So the revised CWP implementation model was approved by our minister in September 2021. And then this new model finds expression in two documents. The first document is the CWP policy framework. Mm -hmm. This document deals with the high-level policy matters. The first draft was finalized and has already been discussed with departments of public works and infrastructure, national treasury, implementing agents, and some of the provinces. Uh, we will um, continue to engage provinces uh, during the next month. We hope to finalize then this consultation process by the end of February, and then for the final um, policy framework to be completed by 31 March. So as I indicated, the policy framework deals with high-level policy matters, and we're going to go into um, detail then in the rest of the presentation on the policy framework itself. There's also an implementation policy, which deals with the more operational matters of the CWP, which we implemented already from 1 October last year, and we are busy working on the next version um, to improve based on the lessons we learned after we implemented the first version. This operational policy was to address primarily a lot of the audit findings that keep on recurring around CWP um, to bring clarity as to the responsibilities of the department versus implementing agents and then also to deal with a number of issues in particularly related to procurement and to asset management. Um, so the, the objectives of, this, of the CWP, I think we've tried to, to clarify them and simplify them. Um, and we will have going forward four primary focus areas. 
The first one would be a predictable basic income and an employment safety net. And the objective then is to create access to a minimum level of regular and predictable work opportunities for the unemployed and or underemployed, including those who fly, whose livelihood activities are insufficient to lift them out of poverty. And the primary driver of this focus area will then be how we define and uh, implement useful work in the communities. The second important aspect or focus area will be skills enhancement um, to strengthen the economic agency of people in poor areas and by enhancing skills through experience and training. And the driver of this focus area will be aligning useful work and appropriate training. The third focus area would be on public assets and that we want the CWP to contribute to the development and provision of public assets and services in poor communities. And here it's very important that we then align what we do in the CWP to the IDPs and DDM1 plans to ensure that we use the limited resources we have to actually work on the highest priority areas in communities. And then the last focus area, community needs, um, we have seen in the past that CWP does play a role in enhancing social cohesion and human dignity, and we would like to um, enhance that particular um, aspect of CWP going forward. So, in the, in the new model, we are introducing a second implementation pathway. The old model primarily relied on what would be here on the, the blue blocks, the implementing agent and the local referencing community. And most of the decision-making in relation to the CWP happened in, at, at, in these blue blocks, um, with then the orange parts uh, on the first pathway being done by DCOG. So in addition to, to increasing the role of DCOG versus implementing agents, we are also introducing a second pathway where we would want to partner with other entities to get specific programs and projects uh, developed and implemented on the ground. And these implementing partners would then primarily be national and provincial departments, but also where feasible and viable with actual district or local municipalities. So we're shifting the focus from the implementing agent as one of the key drivers in what happens on the ground to uh, to provincial and local government to define what the key drivers are and then also to help to specifically manage projects on the ground. So I will get in, in the next slides to some of the examples we can use. So um, DCOG will of course still play an important role and ultimately the wages that are paid to participants are paid directly by DCOG. Um, and I think also when I present in the second part on payments to participants that the, our role then there is also clarified. So I think one of the key features then of the new model is then the second pathway where we also want to introduce implementing partners in the form of government, uh, national, provincial and local government and where possible also the private sector entities in terms of specific projects on the ground. So. In changing the, 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 the role, I think the department remains responsible for the overall design, implementation, monitoring and evaluation of the program. And then the, required, the department is therefore required to develop appropriate policies, guidelines, procedures and systems to ensure that this program is implemented efficiently and effectively. 
Um, as in the past, the department may still elect to appoint implementing agents to perform some of the functions required. Um, however, we feel that implementing agents' roles should change to a more administrative role where they become an extension because as a department, we do not have the capacity, for instance, to manage wage payments of 255,000 people on the ground. We do require the role of implementing agents. Um, but we want to see a shift away from uh, a more at, or towards a more administrative role instead of a key um, decision maker in the process. And then the introduction of the partners, implementing partners. So CWP targets a very wide range of useful work activities. And it's conceivable that neither department nor implementing agent will have the capacity and expertise to support such a wide range of activities. So implementing partners can play a key role and the nature of the implementation of work packages must therefore involve as far as possible the relevant public and private sector organizations to fund and co-fund elements of the program, such as training and tools, provide expertise to develop and uh, implement work packages, and also then to directly provide training to participants. Um, we've got a few examples here. For instance, we can, if you, say that in a particular area, we want to repair roads. Um, you can partner with the Department of Transport in that area, or in some cases, even with the municipality. Um, infrastructure maintenance, we can partner with our entity, MISA. Small-scale farming, we can partner with the Department of Agriculture. Um, and I think importantly is then that the role of the partner must be to lead the design of the projects. DCOC does not have the technical expertise, for instance, um, to actually design projects around road repair and infrastructure maintenance. Our implementing partners then plays a very important role there. Um, our implementing partners will then also define um, what kind of on-the-job training happens. Uh, where possible in collaboration with the relevant CETA and will then also support us in overall project management. Our role remains then to allocate and pay participants to supply personal protective equipment and then the implementing agents has still a limited role uh, primarily related to wage administration, the filling in of timesheets, etc. etc. Um, I'm going to go through then some of the norms and standards so they were taken from the previous document and we highlight specific areas in green where we think that we need to pay attention to in finalizing this document as this has a significant impact on the program. So first of all, um, participants can work up to currently, can work up to eight days per month, 100 days per year. Supervisors, we are, which are also participants, um, can work up to 20 days per month and 240 days per year. Um, and then currently the policy stipulates or the norms stipulate that participants can work two days a week. The, the model of engaging partners um, will require some rethink of this. For instance, it's going to be very difficult if you want to have a program for a week to fix road, its roads in a specific area to have work with one group of participants in, on the first two days and another group of participants on the second two days. We are thinking of changing this to um, a limit of five days per week. So a CWP participant can wait, work a full week, one week, and then maybe um, two, one or two days the rest of the month. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. 
and we are consulting on that. Um, we would have liked to also extend um, at least uh, by a few days, the maximum number of days, but within the current budget, that unfortunately becomes very difficult. Um, I'm not going to focus on the rest of the norms and standards. I'm just going to focus primarily on the ones highlighted in green. Um, another key area that we need to address is eligibility. So um, the current criteria stipulates that a person must be 18 years old um, and must be either unemployed or underemployed. This unfortunately has now resulted in significant audit findings where we find that participants are employed both by national or provincial government and in the CWP. And there are certain cases where this is completely legitimate. A person might, for instance, be employed for one or two days a week by a department, uh, at a school or at a health facility. Um, there's nothing wrong with that same person then also participating for two days in the week in CWP. So we think we need to clarify this because <clears throat> even that work provided by the national or provincial department is not necessarily ongoing. Um, it might be for a specific period of time and that we um, must then have a clear cutoff point. So the Auditor General wanted us to implement the national minimum wage as a cutoff point. Um, we have significant concerns around that and we should rather look at the number of days that a person works so the person can, for a period of time, have um, limited part-time employment at national provincial government as well as participate in the CWP. Of course, there are certain categories of CWP participants or the, 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 um, the supervisors who work 20 days a month obviously will not be able to do any other uh, employment since they are basically um, employed for the full month at CWP. Um, other areas where we are looking at, so obviously receiving any form of social grant does not disqualify a person from participating in the CWP, and we think it's important to sustain that. We are a little bit concerned about UIF, um, and we are having discussions around that because the administrative burden of that is quite high, and we're not sure whether CWP participants, especially those working only for two days, whether it's beneficial for them um, to be on UIF since the CWP, the CWP participants are not required to exit the program. They, of course, will exit if they find other kinds of employment. But this is also a discussion that we are currently have. Um, we've made a small change to we want, want to make it possible for smaller sites to also be established. Currently, the, the, the Norms and standards stipulate that there should be a thousand participants to establish to open a site. We want to reduce that to 500 so we can establish more sites. A very important aspect, as we indicated also under the two implementation streams, is that the useful work must be aligned to CW, uh, must be to a DDM and IDM processes, IDP processes, so that the useful work that is done in a community actually is directed to the priorities in that particular community. And that then the community must play a greater role in, in also informing that process, um, that it's not simply a decision that's taken because it's the easiest uh, project to implement, but that projects rather be focusing on the um, on, on uh, public goods, as we indicated there, and to contribute to community development. 
it is important, however, that such work must not displace or replace existing employment in the public sector. Um, we have clarified there was some um, confusion, I would think, in the past as to who actually sets the wages for CWP. So the, the Minister for Employment and Labour sets the uh, minimum wage for EPWP as a whole, um, and we are obviously part of the EPWP, but it is then up to the um, executive authority of DCOP, the Minister of DCOP, then to determine the wages annually. So we did last year increase the wage from 97 rand 50 to 105 rand for participants. And I think supervisors, we increased from 127 to 130 rand. Uh, we also last year, because of um, improvements in the efficiency of how we run the program, we identified some areas of savings. So <clears throat> not only will we, will we be able to increase the wages, we've also increased the number of participants from 250,000 to 255,000. Sorry, I must just get a, a quick drink of water, just a second. Hello. Hello. Sorry, my throat is I just had. Oh. Looks like my throat stopped working. I had to get some water. Oh, okay. Okay, so I think just to come back to this slide, um, I, um, we are very excited about the possibilities offered by the second pathway. And as we indicated, our intention is to experiment and to see which programs work and does not work um, and which how we can best then change how we implement CWP to the benefit of communities as a whole. So one of the, 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 the pilots we did is we... Uh, we implement, uh, we appointed the National Youth Development Agency as the implementing agent in Mpumalanga. Um, however, there was a difference. We are not paying the NYDA any project management fees. So normally, um, NPOs are appointed and that they are paid a project management fee. We are only refunding the NYDA direct costs associated with implementing the CWP. And what we saw is that this leads to approximately 50% saving on project management overheads. So the actual direct cost of managing the sites in the case of the NYDA is about half of the costs um, where we employed implementing agents at a rate between, um, I think the current rate, depending on how they tended, is between five and six and a half percent. So we, we are not able as DCOC to employ site staff directly, um, but we are through the NYDA then looking at increasing the number of site managers and site staff, because we do feel that that um, creates a better oversight and helps us to exercise better control over the program. So this is likely to, um, if we extrapolate this over the entire program, create over 500 jobs. So even though these are contract jobs, normally linked to the term of appointment of the implementing agent, these are full-time jobs. Um, so the other area that we are focusing on that's very important, and that I think we've, we've already seen 
through our um, work done with the NYDA is that we can um, eliminate costly procurement. So if we look at what we spent in the past, you will see, for instance, that safety boots cost anywhere between 200 and 800 rand. And we know that a more realistic figure for that would probably be in the area of about 300 rand. So we're coming up with ways to, to do procurement differently, to make sure that um, we are more cost effective on procurement. And then, of course, for the savings we generate through that process, to, to rather than go to pay uh, employing more participants. Um, another interesting aspect of the NYDA pilot was then also that the NYDA model itself, their mandate provides for exit strategies because they do have the ability to provide grant funding to small and medium enterprises. So as participants in um, the program, the intent in future is as they develop skills through useful work and training, that they then also be provided with assistance to exit the program into more long-term employment opportunities. Um, um, that brings me to the end of the remodeling presentation. Um, the one on the payment process is fairly brief. So there are a number of steps that are followed before we pay participants. The first step is that the participants must sign um, their worksheets at site level where they work. So there's um, about 250 sites and about over almost 6,000 subsites. So this is where um, actually the implementing agent plays a role through their appointed site staff is then to make sure that worksheets are signed by participants or timesheets. Then this, the, the CWP implementing agents and their site staff then capture this information on the IMS system that hosted at CETA. Um, once this is done, it's also validated by the implementing agent themselves, where it then comes to the CWP head office, where there's a second round of validation. And here we also then check against home affairs data to see if there are any deceased participants that are still getting paid. And we also check against parcel to see whether we, there are any government employees that are getting paid. Um, Sorry, I see that's a repeat of the same block. Then once the validation at head office has happened, the payments are approved by the CWP data center. And then the payment file is transmitted back through um, CETA to Standard Bank. And Standard Bank then actually the pay run happens at Standard Bank. So as you can see that the, 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 for this process to run smoothly, there are two things that's critical. One is that we have internet connectivity to CETA, that CETA's internet connectivity to the rest of the country is actually working, and also that the system at CETA is running. So what we found in the past is we would have several months where everything goes completely smoothly, and then suddenly we would have months where it's very difficult to pay participants on time. So I think last year, towards the end of the year, we experienced a month like that, um, and as I indicated, this is this month is again an example of where participants are getting paid too late uh, because mostly of network instability at CETA, or um, if it's not network instability, then it's the system itself that is unstable at CETA. 
So as Chaka reported uh, about the councillor payments, there were two and a half days, almost three days, where we lost production because of connectivity to CETA and where they couldn't pay councillors. That same process also impacted on us, our ability to pay participants. We were unable. So the implementing agents were unable to load the worksheets and we were unable to verify them. So this month, I think as of this morning, only about 50% of participants have been paid. So what we have introduced since last year is that we send SMSs to all participants where we anticipate that the payment process will be delayed so that at least participants are aware that the payment is delayed. Um, but we find that some months this runs perfectly and then we have a month like this one where the network connectivity to CETA uh, becomes a problem. And as I indicated, we couldn't pay councillors and we are also now late in pay paying the participants. So we hope by the end of today, the majority of CWP participants would have been paid, but that also then depends on stability on the system. So as a way forward, we have started the process of developing a new CWP management information system. Um, we intend for this system to be hosted in the cloud, not at CETA, so that um, we do not have, are not um, hampered by the connectivity and system issues at CETA. We want to integrate everything that we do with CWP under one roof. So that includes not just the participant payments, but also assets and procurement management. We are also improving the interfaces with OFS and DPSA because currently it takes quite a while to run those tests and we want that to be automated so that it's instantaneous. So then the ultimate aim is then for full automation of this process um, on a new system hosted in the cloud that would then get rid of the um, issues we have with participant payments that seem to be recurring every once in a while. Um, Chairperson and honourable members, that's the end of the presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, honourable members, it's your turn now to ask questions. Um, I see honourable Tayaza number one, honourable Kalipi two, honourable Kabanchawa number three. Uh, Honorable Speece, I saw your hand, it was looking in another direction, but I, I will allow you if you want to come in. Honorable Teresa. No, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair of the Committee, to your capable uh, hands. Let me not speak to any conscience, uh, but say that what we know as the EFF, is that uh, the history of civilization is the history of class conflicts, right? So within these class conflicts, whether it's feudalism, capitalism, uh, except socialism, uh, the, the dominant uh, mode of production uh, actually uh, brings about the inherent uh, uh, contradictions, which then puts a society in conflict, and hence the 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 inevitable change in society uh, out of the the, the inherent contradictions that are coming out of the dominant mode of contradictions. Uh, 
That's why, that's why I'll end it there. And I'm not speaking to anybody's conscience because in South Africa, there's no conscience to speak to. Now, any, any uh, program such as the CWP that seeks to exploit workers, that seeks to, 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 to render them uh, as, as, as perpetual students uh, within their work, uh, that they do not improve, that they do not seem to, to, to carry out this program. Uh, we are against, because Chair, uh, the middleman issue within this program is the one that causes the workers to go to the street and ask for a minimum wage. And nothing, uh, I know that they are going to tell me that there's, there's a safety net and all sorts of uh, things that they are supposed to go out. Now that they are going out, what is the department is doing about that? And then uh, I want to ask, uh, because you can, you can remodel, Chair, you can regulate any dominant system, any dominant program in this society, but it is still, it is still that program. And the nature of that program, if it's exploitative as such as, 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 the, as, the, as the CWP, it is not going to, to impact people's lives at all. We can re-regulate, remodel all sorts of things, but as long as at the core doesn't take the people from inequalities that are inherent in this society, we are not even scratching the roof, Chair. Unfortunately, two questions, Chair, uh, in closing. Uh, why is CWP uh, not having a developmental program? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm subject to correction. Uh, to give effect to uh, giving the certificates to, to the participants so that it can link them to the, to the health, edu uh, agriculture, education, uh, departments, and all sorts of education, tourism, uh, all departments, so that it can then link them after they are, after they are finished uh, through those sort of certificates to then say, this is where you are going to, to, to apply for, for, for your permanent work. Why, 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 does, why doesn't it seem to get there, Chair? Uh, that, 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 that's, that's my, that's my uh, contribution and uh, one and a half cents at it, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, fortunately, I'm uh, Honorable Abanchawa. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Chair, and welcome to the presentation of the department in terms of the CWP new model. And uh, I'm glad now, Chair, because the department it, it tried to modernize this CWP because we've been struggling and talking a lot about the CWP. Now, as I'm reading this document, I know I can see that the, the department is trying to innovate the, the CWP because our people are looking for a job, a sustainable job, not what was before. But now the problem is that is the department taking out the middlemen? Because before we were talking to them that they must absorb these people because the skills that are training to them 
to make sure that they get a skill where they they will gonna use it because when they take them out of this project they just go back at home and sitting at home and sleeping and crying about hunger again but if they are training them which means when they are training them they are uh investing in them about the government is money when they are trying to train them they must find some mechanism work for them if they don't absorb them i can see now even the n the ny the, the nyda is coming on board i don't know what is happening whether uh, the nyda they will hire these young people to go to the city because when i saw the cwp work i find when we are driving on the street going to kzn we'll find the coco or nomkulu nje bahlalenga phandle kwemgwaqo around the side of the road Uh, putting the sign road to say they are waking but they are just sleeping uh, 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 alongside the, the road i don't know whether when the the, the, the this uh, uh, nyta come inside they will hire these young people to do the same what we saw when we come uh, uh, in rural area and also chaperson I'm thanking the department to listen to us to modernize this uh, 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 CWP but they must make sure that these people they are working uh, full time not just six months or three months uh, taking out no because these people shame you can say that what they are doing they don't know but when they make sure that they get a sustainable job they will know what they are doing because they won't sleep it, uh, uh, you, you you're scared if, even to them to say how why are you sleeping along the road because you we are at a work why can't you work because you know they are not getting any money the middle man uh, is taking all the money and giving them some change peanuts but uh, if there is a new model i'm um, say thank you uh, uh, very much to the department but my question is that she when are they gonna make sure that these people, people they get a sustainable work will give them pension thank you the honorable speech i see your hand thank you che is there a problem with my hand not showing yes uh, i oh. think there's something that you Yeah, but I saw your message. Okay, thank you. Can I speak, Chair? Yeah, yes. Um, Chair, my issue is in, in particular with regards to the delays in salaries. Um, and um, as much as I appreciate the report and take note of the way forward, um, as we are speaking, Chair, there are people who have not been paid. And to the extent, Chairperson, that these people uh, now want to riot and refuse to go to work today. and the specific area that i'm talking about is the langeberg area and it includes the towns of um, bonneville robertson 
Ashton and McGregor. And um, these staff uh, are up in arms, they are unhappy and they say it is just not right that others have been paid and up until this morning they have not been paid. If that can just be uh, please um, directly addressed um, so that we do not receive these messages and people sounding extremely desperate, which is understandable. I know that the issue of delays in salaries have been a problem for many years. And, and if we can really seriously make sure that this doesn't happen in future. Then, Chair, the other one is the, the lack of resources, um, tools and uh, material. And I know for a fact in areas within the garden route that they have no tools and, and materials, yet some of those agencies have been um, appointed already in September. And only now the tender went out for that which means that sets them back because they cannot really um, move forward because they are not equipped properly. And then also the RFQs for training. Um, I don't know if there was any, if I've missed it in the report, uh, but I foresee that if, if the new year is not started properly, it sets the workers back and also the whole program back. And it makes us run into problems because it has a ripple effect if things are not in place. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, I thought I saw some other hand, but uh, I don't seem to see it. If I miss anybody, can I now allow the department to respond? Maybe I should, as a member of parliament, indicate that they are beyond the questions of payments looks like there are issues that relate to removal of people because of this and that, and no communication. Uh, if there is any, for instance, I've got uh, some people here from Escort in KZN, and one in Rambe municipality, who are saying they have got issues with the, uh, these uh, managers of uh, sites there. But I'm saying if there's any information that would help us to guide such people to say uh, link with so-and-so to deal with those, can we allow the department to respond? Um, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I think in, then in, in response to um, Honorable Teza's um, question, we, the training, um, the, the way in which training is designed, participants are required to receive certificates. So we, uh, a training program is procured and the participant is not provided with a certificate, that is definitely a problem. And I think it's going to be important that we are made aware of cases like this. And maybe to, to then respond also to the chair, we can again make available to you all the contact details of the persons dealing, working in the different provinces, um, the DCOC head office people. So it's important that things be escalated to them directly. So if you encounter any issues in a particular area, um, you will have the contact details of the people at DCOC who should then be able to deal with them directly or if they cannot um, solve the problem, at least they escalate the problem. So yes, we, 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 it is a requirement that participants must be issued with a certificate. But I think maybe to talk to training in general, and I think um, 
I think that also touches on Honorable Taba's um, uh, question, is that we found that the kind of training that is being given to participants is not always useful, which is one of the things we want to address then going forward in the new model, is to play a more proactive role in decision-making around the training. We feel that in some cases, training was procured simply for the sake of procuring training and simply for the sake of saying that we have trained people, but we don't think that in all cases that training was actually useful and that training actually empowered participants. So that's a very important aspect we want to focus on going forward is to play a more active role in deciding on training programs um, and also then play a more active role when it comes to the procurement. And I think that's also going to tie into Honorable Species question, but I'll get to that. So the department cannot absorb participants themselves. National Treasury limits um, the amount of money we can spend um, on um, salaries. And if we exceed that, it becomes unauthorized expenditure. So what the department can do is improve um, useful work or the usefulness of work so that participants actually acquire real skills. And we agree that some of the work that's done sweeping streets and maybe even sleeping next to the highway doesn't really increase skills. So that the kind of work that must be provided by CWP must, must have real skills involved. For instance, if people are taught how to fix roads, they could maybe eventually um, start a small co-op or a SMME in a particular area that could fix roads or fix water leakages, or there's a host of other things that we can focus on so that the, both the training and the useful work empowers participants to then actually exit the program. So unlike the EPWP, the EPWP has short-term projects where people are then left without a job after a few months. That does not apply to the CWP. So the CWP, once you're in the CWP and once you are a participant in the CWP, you do not exit the program, unless, of course, you find another job somewhere. But there's no time limit on how long somebody can be in the CWP. So there are people in the CWP working there right now that's been there for since the beginning. It does create a problem, however, because if we look at the profile of CWP participants, they are progressively getting older. Um, and of course, the, the department would like to see more young participants in the program as well. But because our budget limits us to 255,000 participants, we cannot bring in younger participants. So it, is, it becomes doubly important to make sure that the revised model empowers and enables participants to exit the program by finding either finding other work opportunities because they are now have better skills and, and qualifications, or by then empowering them to start their own businesses or their own small companies. So I think if we do not get that right, it means that participants will remain in the program forever and we will not be able to bring new participants in because we are unable to get participants that's been there for a while um, <clears throat> out of the program through other job opportunities. So as I said, unlike the EPWP, there's, we do not ask people to leave the program. They remain in the program for as long as they want to. We do have cases where, for instance, people will exit the program to go and do seasonal work. And then once the seasonal work is finished, they will come back into the program. And we encourage that. Um, 
But as I said, it's, it's not like the EPWP where it's a three-month thing and then it's over. The people stay in the program. And, and that's one of the things, and I think it also came out in the presentation of a lot of the money going to the middleman. We've already seen a reduction. In the past, I don't know how the project management fees for implementing agents were, were calculated. This time around, it was based on a tender price. And we saw that project management fees came down significantly because now implementing agents had to compete. And the ones with the high project management fees simply didn't make it. So we're going to refine that model going forward. And as I said, we also want to reduce the role of implementing agents to a more administrative role. And DCOC plus the partners will then play a bigger role in the program to specifically not just about around this issue, but also specifically looking at ensuring that the work is really useful and that the training is really empowering participants. So uh, honorable speech on the um, delays in salaries. Um, the department spends quite a lot of time and energy on this. It is extremely embarrassing for us if salaries are paid late. It's the primary objective of this program is to have a predictable basic income. And if we are unable to pay salaries on time, we are not meeting the primary objective of the program. So it is very frustrating for us, but I don't want to focus on our frustration because the participants that are affected, um, it's impacting them more, of course, than it, than it impacts us. So we are working very hard to come up with a new system. On the current system, as I said, some months it works perfectly. There are no glitches. Other months, for reasons we don't understand, the system doesn't, it stops working. It's not that we're changing the system and that it gets broken in the process. This month, the CETA connection just stopped working for two and a half days. We have no reason, we have no explanation as to why it stopped working. It took CETA two and a half days to fix it. So we couldn't pay counselors, we couldn't pay participants. And of course, participants are not interested in this because it's an administrative response to something that directly affects their livelihood. So, uh, uh, but I fully agree with you. We are working hard on this. We hope that by the end of this year, we will have a new system in place um, that will replace the current system and that it will also eliminate CETA from the process, um, that we have a system that's in the cloud that is not affected by network connectivity at a specific hub. Um, and then you are correct. There are areas where there's a lack of tools, and that is primarily a result of the uh, implementation of the new policy. In the past, implementing agents procured in whatever manner they felt they wanted to. So most of the procurement they did was irregular. They did not follow proper government procedures when they procured. So what we did with the, with the new contracts and also in the new policy implemented from 1 October, is we insisted that all procurements must be done 100% compliant to Treasury regulations. Um, and we then also insisted that from a certain threshold, it's above 100,000, that they must first send the procurement documents to us. And even though implementing agents declared when they were appointed as implementing agents in their tender documents, that they know how to do government compliant procurement, when we started to receive these procurement documents after October, we found that none of them were compliant with one or two exceptions. So the procurement was delayed because we kept on sending things back to implementing agents 
giving them guidance. We had a workshop with them. We give them training as to follow proper government procedures. Otherwise, we end up with a situation, again, where contracts are only awarded to specific people and only a small group of people benefit. And we want to see that the entire community has at least the option of participating in these contracts. That it's not a situation of contracts being earmarked for specific people or specific groups of people. So we are insisting that implementing agents follows an open, transparent uh, procurement process. And unfortunately, the, the, the first few months, we saw that they found it very difficult to do um, specific specifications and RFQs that comply with that. We do think that it's starting to flow now and that procurement is starting to happen. Of course, this affects the implementing agents as well because their PM fee is based on expenditure. So if they don't procure, they don't spend, then they also don't get PM fees. Um, so they are also frustrated, but we are comfortable that our tender document was very clear on this area, that all procurement must be done in a free, fair, transparent manner and we are actually not going to deviate from this path. And we, are, we, we believe that most of the implementing agents have now caught on and that they have a better understanding of how to do this and that the shortages of tools and materials and PPE um, in, in, sites, in some sites um, will be resolved fairly quick. Um, Chairperson, honorable members, I think those were all the questions. I hope I touched on all of them. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, I think we have come to the end of the session. Uh, unless somebody will die if I don't allow them. And if we are quiet, uh, it means uh, we have noted everything. That said, there will be follow-ups, there will be uh, data submissions. Can I now, uh, now allow the Deputy Minister have the last word on the matters. Closing. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, and thank you very much to Honorable Members um, for this part of the session on Community Works Program. Honorable Chair, let me just say I note uh, the input that has been made. We'll still strive to uh, move for proper uh, refinement, uh, deliverables, and ensure that the program works much better. Honorable you'll pardon me, I got cut off about four or five times and I can hear my system is still a bit cranky and I will not be able to switch off uh, the mic. And just appreciate also the honourable members for the guidance that they are giving and the hard questions that they are asking in order to ensure that we do our part, we do our job and re-emphasise the commitment we have made on the first part of the presentation or rather of the discussions but also on the enhancement on the second part of the presentation, which is Community Works Program, its rollout and constant update, so that we are able to iron out glitches as fast as we discover them. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Um, uh, honorable members, as already indicated, this was a, in fact, I should have apologized uh, uh, at the beginning for our inactivity last week uh, because of some breakdown of communication, which I think must not happen in future. As already indicated, we are a committee that is supposed to be busier than any other committee. 
So there's no way we can waste time. As already indicated, we have asked for more time. Maybe it's good that I'm saying it in front of the department uh, that uh, everybody agrees with us, uh, starting with the speaker, that this committee should be the busiest. And by implication, it means uh, we are lifting this issue of accountability, uh, especially when it comes to uh, 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 local government. We will have to lift it. It will, it will not only end with uh, us asking questions, we'd have to confirm some of these issues by visiting, uh, by going out there. Uh, so for now, tentatively, I think I'm sure about the two days, uh, but the third day as well, it's, it's likely to come. And uh, so, so other committees were out last week. We could only force this one to have this session. But thank you very much to the minister, deputy minister, and the department for responding positively. And I think we have managed to recover some ground and uh, can only move forward from uh, uh, here. Uh, reinforced, by, reinforced by the state of the nation address that is coming. We're trying to finalize our APP as a portfolio committee, redrafting our, our program for the term as well, in line with this extension that we have requested. So I'm trying to make everybody be ready to say we'll have to work now. The focus is going to be on us. Uh, when they, I expect the president to talk about renewal of uh, government, and by implication, it will extend to us. But let's wait for that so that we get those marching orders, uh, all of us, whether we are the legislature and the executive and, and everybody else in society. Otherwise, thank you very much. Uh, see you next time. The meeting is closed. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair, and goodbye, colleagues. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye, the Minister. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Record.